Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, August 17th, 2022, and you're listening to episode number 560. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show are Mr. Bob Ryer. A warm Talking Comics welcome to our newest listener, Tiberius Riker Miles Cecil. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) We have a new listener. He that has, name is amazing. He has he, he has four legs, as a matter of fact. He is a pooch. Aww. Oh. Our friend Sarah has adopted a gorgeous Springer Spaniel named Tiberius Riker Miles Cecil. That's beautiful. That's fantastic. That's so good. Uh, Joey Bracino is here. Sup. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Carey is also Hi, here. Hi, I've retired from the Damian Wayne Defense League. Yeah, you're not, you're not gonna have to do that on this podcast. No, because, because I, I've accepted a job with Damian Wayne's PR team for Wayne Industries. Hey, <laughs> someone has to. I'm the Damian fan here. I know. So this. Aaron's not here. You don't have to fight. You know, you don't have to fight Aaron on it. Well, you, uh, last week Steve made the claim that I couldn't come up with a different way to introduce myself relating to Damian every week, and I said challenge accepted. Uh. Uh, and, and it's, not ex- it's not exactly what I said. You know that his Robin series is up to like issue thirteen or fourteen now. It's so That's good. crazy. <laughs> Have you read it, Joey? I I read it until like the first arc, and then I dropped off. It's awesome, but then I like I saw the solicits, and I was like fourteen. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. He's running around with his ace friend Connor Hawk, and I love it. Indeed. Ooh. How do you all feel? about controversial questions how do you feel about controversial answers would be my retort i'm in i'm into them honestly what? it's one of my kinks i reserve <laughs> the right to not answer <laughs> well you have to you me, plead the fifth we, we know people that's true doing i that could recently. plead the fifth yeah i could plead the fifth let, let me ask the question because i came across this question about probably about two or three weeks ago and the the absolute uproar that it elicited was kind of blew me away and i don't really understand so pineapple on pizza no yes Yes. or no no yes yeah whatever okay let's go around the table i say hard yes bob hard no okay i'm not sure that 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 pineapple goes with cheese which is what a pizza has and tomato sauce it depends on the pizza obviously but yeah that's what you want get it and Chris, you are pro pineapple. I love it, and I also don't believe in kink shaming. So put whatever you want on your pizza. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to yuck on people's. Yeah. But here's the thing, and and this kind of goes off of Bob's uh, comment as well, is if you're going to get 
like a kind of um like a neapolitan style thin crust in the brick oven like mm. the kind of margarita mm-hmm. pizza there's that the pineapple it, the, that type of crust can't support the pineapple <laughs> So when no. if I get There's a pineapple, the pineapple pizza, right? Yeah. If I get a pineapple pizza, and I've had it, I've had it before. I usually get it. I I rather I usually have had it. I never get it, but I usually have had it on things like those like fast food pizza places, like Domino's does a good pineapple yes, pizza, things like that. Yeah. But also like kind of those um like a like a New York style thicker crust kind of like that that's very popular too. Mm-hmm. But like a classic brick oven Neapolitan no. style, no. It, it doesn't have the the crust to pineapple <laughs> ratio is not going to work out. If if you did a Sicilian with and pineapple ham and cheese are wonderful yeah. when you make a sandwich or something or a roast. So you you need enough bread content. Yeah, so like a grand, hold... like a Sicilian grandma style right. pie mm-hmm. that would support it. That would support right. the pineapple. I really but only like that... it on that one type of pizza, like cheese, pineapple, ham. It's done. Yeah. That's it. Yes, yeah. not to not tomato sauce, not basil and oregano. Right. You, you got to yeah. restrict yeah. it to something else. Yeah. yeah. See, I replace the tomato sauce with barbecue sauce. Oh, see, now always. that makes sense. That's, that so that, that's not yeah. pizza, really. That's is a it? different kind of thing, but that's great. It's a flatbread. Kind of. <laughs> it is kind of a flatbread. I will bread. say, and I actually, the barbecue sauce on pizza thing mm-hmm. recently has been weirding me out. But hey, if that's what you're into, yeah. you know what? Because every time I go out to a party, you know, one of my friends, he always hosts and they always get the the um the the barbecue the the chicken the the buffalo chicken or the oh yeah or the barbecue chicken pizza and it yep. has the barbecue sauce chicken and then it has like ranch drizzle on it no 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 you got to get the blue cheese drizzle that's, that's whatever what, what i don't do. touch it because i don't like any of that white sauce i don't i don't put white sauce in my mouth like that kind of stuff like <laughs> <laughs> well <Wow. Joey. laughs> White white drizz white drizz in my mouth. It's not for me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know what? You know uh, it's important for you to set your boundaries in this kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. At least Absolutely. not on pizza. Any other situation, who knows? But pizza, <laughs> not a not. A... I, I, you know, you, you start to look at the varieties of pizza. It's like, why? Well, I am sorry. Penny alla vodka on a pizza crust? No. Yes. Delicious. There's a place by me does a, uh, uh, a, it's a Neapolitan pie brick oven, but instead of using tomato sauce, they use vodka sauce. And it the is, sauce oh, is great. I don't want, so I don't good. want, but I don't want ziti. You don't like the pizza. ziti because it, because right. again, it makes it thick. It makes right. it like you can't fold it. You can't do the fold. Exactly. Sauce is great. I got no problem with the sauce. There's a place by where I grew up. They used to do a cheeseburger pie mm-hmm. and it was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was crust. And then like the ground meat and then the cheese oh and then, my, my and place goes one further bacon, on bacon, top. bacon cheeseburger yeah pie. oh but yeah it, it was double crust there was crust Ooh. on both sides so you were eating oh, it my. it was like it was just like a it was like a long cheeseburger <laughs> <laughs> okay i but anyway, I, think, Steve, I think we're getting far away from pizza is the problem Anyway, Steve, I don't know if you were hoping to start this podcast with white drizz, but there you go. I always <laughs> hope that's how we start this podcast. <laughs> I am actually logging into the Talking Comics Twitter <laughs> to put right in now. The, the white drizz comment. I am going to. It's D R I Z Z. I think you should add an extra Z. 
D R I Z Z L E. White drizzle. White drizzle. White drizzle. D R I Z Z Z. Yeah. I'm going to set this for four days so that people can actually hear this and then go and vote for it instead of it being a 24 hour thing. Just says, go to Talking Comics on Twitter, pineapple on pizza, question mark, yay or nay, cast your vote. Now. Help us settle this. So, yeah. favorite, awesome. favorite pizza topping? Around I'm, I'm, the a meatball. Table. I'm a meatball guy. Love I, I meatball. prefer meatballs. Um, I all, but, but my, uh, there's the place by me, there's a lot of great pizza because I'm in New Jersey and New Jersey has the best pizza. So, um, the, the, they, there's a lot of places by me that do things like a carbonara pie, which is oh. fantastic. So good. Some of them throw the egg on it and it's just like, Mwah. egg on a pizza. Mwah. So good. Um, yeah, but I, I, I'm a fan of just a margarita, mm. you know? margarita even the margarita with like i said with the vodka sauce that's mm-hmm. so good oh and you know what the new favorite topping is actually and bob you're gonna hate it hot honey what hot honey hot on regular, honey on a regular pie okay usually it's like on a pepperoni or like a capicola or something like that like oh like yeah that okay i can pie. see that would work the sweet put, the sweet and, and hot the could work hot honey yeah. spicy honey Ooh, nice. that sounds that's really like good. the yeah. ugh, that's like that's what we got going on now that's the thing Chris, hot honey on a pizza is fantastic. I, I I like all of the wild toppings, but um, you give me a pepperoni and cheese, and I'm good to go most times. So that's a go-to. That's a go-to classic, no question. Yeah. Steve, uh, honestly, is pineapple. Pineapple. <laughs> pineapple. pineapple. I really do okay. like pineapple too. I'm with you on this. I really, I really do. I, I I'm allergic to tomatoes, so I kind of have to get creative with uh my pies and oh, i've so noticed that well we have a lot of places where you can order anything that you want and they'll they'll send it to you like you know make your own pie kind of thing and i got really really out of hand with it a few <laughs> times to the point where i would be eating my slice and be like oh man this was a bad <laughs> idea and it turns out yes it was um but pineapple pineapple goes with a lot of things it turns out um, it's easy on my stomach. And honestly, I would eat pineapple any day of the week, anywhere. You know, anytime. it's fascinating that you say that because you know, pineapples eat your stomach from the inside. <sighs> Why you have to ruin this? <laughs> no, I'm just, uh, just, maybe the, maybe the high acidity is good for your yeah, stomach. Maybe that's maybe what that's you need. What it is. My mom's it like that. Your pH. Do you, yeah. yeah. Do you, do you like acidic foods? Well, I mean, yeah. Then there, there you go. go. Maybe it is what you need. That's why you love pineapples, because pineapples like pineapple a very is. Um, I, I've read good for gout, mm, so yes. it's one of the reasons why I keep a pineapple in my pocket at all times. <laughs> you got a pineapple in your pocket, or are you happy to see me? <laughs> I just, you know, I, I reach in, I pull out a cube, <laughs> and I, you know, did, just waiting in line at the bank. And did anyone know. ever watch the show Psych? That yes. was my oh, yes, that I was did. my teenage obsession, and I became very obsessed with pineapple because of it. So, ah, <laughs> oh, psych. psych. Anyway. They did another one of those. Yeah, they did a yeah, movie it was called Monk. Oh no! <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. Oh boy. Anyway, all right. Anyway, anyway. comic books. Hey, hey. uh. We've got them. We've got comic <laughs> books. We've got a lot of news. Uh. I keep waiting for the news to kind of 
calm down a little bit. Oh, well, the and saga continues. I was going to say. Yeah, it has until not. Ezra Miller stops their speed run of crime. I think we've got news for all. <laughs> <laughs> At least in, in the mix in here, there's some good yes. stuff too. So it's yeah. been a little depressing the last yeah. little while. And believe me, we've got some of that too. And uh, Victor, Victor Zaslav. Oh, sorry. David Zaslav. <laughs> yep. Have you ever seen a picture of him? I yes. have. He looks like. Yeah. Captain Planet He looks villain. like what you think. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a used car salesman who's had a lot of work done. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Cool. The he car does. is not the only thing that's got a lift. Oh. Oh, <laughs> nicely played. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, we also have a email that we're going to read a little later and go through some of the questions, set some things straight, Ooh. damn it, mm. um, and maybe some controversial opinions. Mm. More, than some <laughs> More than pineapple? More than pineapple. Yeah, pineapple no, I'm going to... It is. Sorry, it is. I don't think it's as, as controversial as it was. I think it is because people still end friendships over it on Twitter. So. Well, you got to get off Twitter. <laughs> I love Twitter. It's it's my it's my trash fire and I protect it. I think I might out myself as a pineapple on pizza lover oh. and see who unfollows Put me. Put it in your bio. A... <laughs> yeah. I will, you know, yes. Yes. <laughs> Staunch pineapple. On oh pizza my god! Supporter. I'm totally doing it. I'm I'm gonna do it. I'll do it during somebody's lightning. Yeah. Pick a side. <laughs> Pick a side. All right. Civil Pine- war. Pineapple pizza civil war. Civil war. <laughs> oh, I should. You know what? I'll keep it open on my phone. I want to see if we get any votes during the podcast. I'll read about live. Yeah. There may be All an right. image. You can have you can have Cap and and Iron Man replaced by pizza and pepperoni. Or a, a pineapple and pepperoni, rather. Yeah. You know. There you go. I think we could all all right. agree uh, that Tony Stark is the pineapple of this scenario, I think. Yeah, Steve would oh. be very traditional. Yes, yeah. he's Steve just would the be pie. like, what's pizza? Yeah, Steve would be like, what's pizza? I, 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 I... <laughs> no, we had pizza in New York back then. Uh, I don't think it just had Steve's... It just had cheese, mushroom, and sausage and I, pepperoni I, on it. I don't know if it's Steve's Irish working class neighborhood they were banging back there was pizza in maybe you might be right you might be right i could eat this all day (laughs) (laughs) all right uh let's uh let's move things along here with some lightning rounds um i feel like ass i'm gonna go first nice that's a strong Uh, start (laughs) i look i'm gonna put it up front I um I don't I'm not gonna it's not that I'm gonna go negative I'm not gonna go negative oh. um I'm gonna be very honest with a lot of stuff that I talk hmm. about this uh, this week. That's all we ask. Um, what's that? That's all we ask. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, I'll start with I'll start with the really good stuff. Parker Girls. Terry Moore. Terry Ooh. Moore is back. Abstract Studios. Terry Moore has Parker Girls number one out on stands. Go pick it up. This is the beginning of something very fun. I can already tell. You've got this guy, Mark. He's basically been hanging around this island resort. And Alex, who's been kind of keeping an eye on him and watching him, watching him, decides to flirt with him a little bit and see, you know, what's going on. Why does he look so glum? They're in a gorgeous place. What's the problem? They grab a drink and Mark goes on to explain that in getting some test results back from his doctor, he has cancer. And so, of course, that's awful. 
And he thinks to himself, well, how am I going to make sure that the people around me are taken care of? And how can I have a little fun, you know, before I go? Why don't I steal $10 million from my company and give it away? And then and then I then I can rest in peace. The problem is that they screwed up the test results and Mark is not dying of cancer. And he's just stolen $10 million from his company. So yeah, he's telling Alex this at the bar and he's like, she's like, he's like, yeah, but you just got $10 million. He's like, wait for it. She's Oh, he goes, yeah. So she explains to him, she goes, ask me what my job is. He says, what's your job? She says, I'm in cryptocurrency. He goes, that's a shit show. That is, and that's literally what he says. That is bogus. And she goes, Give me a million dollars. Come with me back to my room. Give me a million bucks. If I don't double it within a half hour, I'll pull your money and you can walk away. No harm, no foul. We'll go get drunk. But if I do manage to double your money, we need to put the whole 10 million in and see what we can do. So anyway, they do this. I'm not going to tell you what the result of it is. But uh, on the other half of the story, you have seemingly a group of women who are private investigators or like what's the word I'm looking for here? Like law enforcement toughs. Like they, they're the people that are, they have special permission. They show up on the scene and you're just supposed to give them anything that they need. And it turns out that one of the latest cases going down uh, is one of their own. And one of their own has been murdered. And they were keeping their eye on this like Hollywood billionaire type. And so now they have to uh, infiltrate this group again and find out who killed their friend and whatnot. Um, If you've read anything about uh, by Terry Moore, you'll know what this looks like. Everybody looks like some version of somebody from uh, Stranger. Was it Stranger Stranger than Fiction? Strangers in Paradise. Strangers in Paradise. Thank you. Um, like I said, I don't feel good today. My my brain's a mess. Um, but it is really charming. Everybody, especially Alex, is very playful and very clever. And, and kind of I warmed to her right away, even though I knew that she was pulling something over on this guy. But the team is comprised of some really interesting characters. And I can already tell from the island setting from the variety of women that you're getting in this story that there's going to be some really cool stuff going down. And it's always kind of teased with Terry Moore's signature humor. And I just, he's one of my favorite creators always has been since the beginning of talking comics really. And this is the beginning of another awesome thing from him. As far as I can tell, this isn't related to other stories. I'm always kind of afraid to jump into some of the Terry Moore stuff because I don't know uh, if it deals with characters from other stories that I haven't read or haven't read in forever and need to refamiliarize myself. But this feels like something that you can just jump onto having read nothing, which is great for new readers. So if you've ever wanted to experiment with Terry Moore, but there's a lot of it and you've been intimidated, this is a good one to jump onto. Uh, what else do I have? I caught up with Jurassic League. Two through four, I read. I'm not going to lie. 
I almost stopped reading halfway through three. Yes. Um, This series is fun. It is. It's fun. But the artwork got so busy in the third issue that I felt like I was going to throw up. (laughs) And it's, I'm serious. Like I got, I, I, I don't know if it's a byproduct of me not feeling well lately, but there was so much going on during the action scenes that reading the dialogue was difficult because it was just, it was too busy. There was too much, but that's kind of the point. Like it's the characters, the flash and green lantern and Batman and Superman, they're all dinosaurs. And so it's gotta be big. It's gotta be extreme. It's gotta be metal. And that's exactly what it is. Um, I do think it's also funny that all of the regular dialogue is spoken by dinosaurs, but when you get to the humans, it has the translation. Uh, That's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is a bizarro dinosaur running oh around in this story. And uh, I love some of the lettering done throughout these issues where um, some of the letters are reversed. So it's not the, it's still the same uh, like opposite speak but the way that all the words are twisted it almost takes me a second to read it to figure it out to like decipher it but it's always worth it um yeah it's it's fun it's crazy there's only two more issues of it but i gotta be honest like i i got to a point in the story where i was like man i don't know i it's so there's so many things distracting me on the page i don't know if i can continue on with this Uh, I did end up powering through the fourth issue uh, got a lot better in terms of maybe just dialing down the chaos a little bit so that I could, I could kind of stay in the story and and rest there for a while and appreciate what was going on. Um, This feels very much like something that um, like if John wanted to read with his son, I have a sneaking suspicion that he would really dig this. It has that kind of like, little kid energy not like my first comic energy that's a little um i don't mean to be like you know derogatory or anything it just they're dinosaurs so they don't speak in complicated ways some of the a lot of the dialogue is quite simple and they're roaring and they're shouting and this and that and the other thing but um it's cool i i feel like the kid the kid in me loves it mm-hmm. but the distracted, broken-minded adult <laughs> in me is like, ah, I can't take this. The kid in me is writing down to read it now because it sounds great. So <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty wild. I'll tell you what, there's nothing else like it on the stands yeah. right now. Like it's it's weird. Um the humans are just a nuisance. They keep getting captured. And at one point, I think it was an issue number four. Uh, Superman's dad is a is a human in the story, and he's talking to him. He's like, "Don't worry about us, son. You go do what you got to do. We can take care of ourselves." And I'm sitting there screaming in my head to myself, "No, you can't! <laughs> like for three issues, you've been in constant peril. What are you talking about? What do you think, Steve? So, better better as a an oversized one shot. Yeah, yeah, um, mm. I mean, yes, you could definitely if you took like a selection of the characters because they they keep on dumping new characters on. And I got to be honest, like that's a lot of what's keeping me in the story is seeing who shows up next and especially what their dinosaur name is. (laughs) 
So um, the Aquaman, Aquanix, as he's called, oh. is fantastic in this. I, I really enjoy uh, the Aquaman. But um, the Green Lantern equivalent and Flash, they're like total dude bros. <laughs> and some, some of their dialogue is really laid back and ridiculous. And it's fun. Um, yeah, I mean, aside from the busy artwork, it, it's 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 a lot of fun. I just, man, issue number three got real intense for my eyes for a while. And I was, <laughs> I had to lay down Aww. after I was done <laughs> reading that one. Um, but, you know, that's just me. Not everybody's going to run into, uh, into that issue. Uh, and the last thing that I want to say is I finished watching the Sandman season one. And I know we talked about it last week. And I just want to double down and say this is, without a doubt, one of the best series, the best television series that I've seen in a really long time. I absolutely loved all of it. I love not only that, like, it's doing really well. It's 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 doing numbers. They're making money off of it. People are tuning in for it. It's getting upvoted the whole bit. It looks very much like we're getting a season two. And I love that. That's great. They should really take this and run with it and do as much as they possibly can with it because Netflix is kind of floundering right now and they need to invest in their good stuff. And that's exactly what this is. But if we only got this one season, it ends so perfectly well in terms of wrapping both stories that if this was all we ever got it would still be amazing so i just visually compelling thought-provoking i can't remember the last time that i watched something that actually begged me to stop and think about some like pretty cerebral stuff long after it was over i had a dream last night that the corinthian was like (laughs) we were sharing a hotel room and he was trying to get me to agree to organize an orgy. <laughs> and I was like, let's do it. He's uh, Boyd Holbrook plays um, the Corinthian in this series. He is magnetic. I love that man. He is so mesmerizing as this character. I would watch this over again just for him. He's so delightfully creepy And I love it, but he also has kind of his own weird little code of like who he kills and who he leaves alone. And I found that so interesting uh, throughout the series, but I absolutely loved it. I loved all the things that it made me think about. I love the characters. Uh, I already said visually it's, it's just, it looks so good. And they, they really pulled out of Neil Gaiman's imagination and put it on the screen for this one. And he's had a lot of success with like good omens and a couple of other things, but this is working on a whole other level. And I really hope that they run with it and keep making more of it because every casting choice they made was so spot on. And I love a lot of the changes that they made to some of the characters because everybody still embodies those characters as far as I know. Um, and have been told by other people that are really big fans, but uh, if you're thinking about watching The Sandman, you should do that because it is totally worth your time. Yes. And that's my lightning round. I watched, um, I, I agree with you on Sandman. It's it's very good. I watched up till the diner episode. 
Ooh. And then I couldn't do it anymore. The diner episode cut that momentum for me. I know you really enjoyed it and you talked about it last week, so I don't want to take that away from you. But for me, it just cut the momentum so much. I was so over oh, John so or whatever good. his name is, David Thewlis. I know you didn't like him. I was I liked so him. over him. And then, and then I'm glad like that the storyline kind of goes where it goes after that. But like, I was like, that episode cut the momentum for me so much that like I needed a break and then I got distracted by other things. So I'm glad to hear that the season ends strong too. Cause I do want to go back. You and dude, you, episodes. you have to watch the death episode. The one that's after the diner. And then right yeah. after that is the dollhouse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm eager to, I just, I, 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 I like trudge through that diner and like the diner started <sighs> And I was like, I know what's happening. Like, I know what's going to happen. And and I think, yeah, I, like I knew it was going on. And I was like, I don't find this interesting. I don't care. I, bring, give me the Sandman. I want Sandman. I want, what's his name? Or- Morpheus. And the fact that he wasn't in it, I was like, I don't, I don't care. Man, about it. I, but that's, I felt that's the my, exact opposite for that episode. I loved that episode. My problem with Netflix shows often, they will do those plot focus <laughs> episodes stranger like, things season two yes eight. <laughs> yes and i just don't care actually no stranger things season did we just say season four is that the one that just happened yeah yeah anything that was going on with mike and jonathan out in the desert i was like get the, get out of here i don't i don't give a shit about any of you russia i didn't give a shit about russia at all but like all, like but that's my problem with Netflix. Like, because they have streaming hours and you can do whatever you want for as long as you want, that's fine. Now, here's the thing. And I think John talked about this last week. I love the first few episodes so much. I went back and I read the first few issues of Sandman on DC Universe Infinite Plus. And it is like beat for beat almost line for line almost like each issue so there is the diner issue like that's one of the issues but in a comic it's different like in a comic like you could just bang through that issue you'd be like all right we're in the diner whatever i gotta commit an hour to watch a david thulis eat ice cream in the corner like twirl his mustache i'm like i don't i don't need this like um but with that said with that said that episode is a good episode in the context of the larger thing. And I, like I said, I'm glad to hear that the season ends strong because I do want to go back and, and finish it. Cause it, I, I, think, thought, I agree. I think it's awesome. I really do. I thought that episode was so intense from the moment it started. I, I was, I knew immediately what was going to happen though. So all that tension was out. Yeah, the but room. it's, yeah, but it's not, it's not about knowing what's going to happen. I knew what was going to happen the, the second that it started, but when you know what's going to happen, for me anyway, it becomes about the execution, it's the journey, yeah. more so than the thing yeah. itself. Yeah, maybe maybe it was my my other issue with that too. And again, it's different in comics than it is on a television show, because episode what is that? Episode five, I think. Right, you're halfway through a season, and then all of a sudden you're in a new place with an entirely new cast of characters, and you're asked to care. You know, you're asked to care about these characters who from the beginning of that episode you're like this is not going to end well for you so i think on a tv in a comic book over the course like operating as almost like a one-shot one-off issue in a large in a larger story a little different but in a television show that's real estate like that is airtime that you're dedicating so when that episode when that scene 
lasted longer than 15, 20 minutes, I was like, I'm done. I can't do this. And, I, and I, to be fair, I watched it and it went where I went and it was graphic. And I was like, unsurprised. And then the ending of that episode is awesome. Um, but I was like, I could tell in that instance, cause when I put in the chat, I was like, I'm sick of this diner episode. John was like, that is, that is a direct beat for beat adaptation of issue six. And he's yeah. right. But, but to draw out issue six over 55 minutes is different than reading <sighs> issue six in the context of a storyline. So, so the, the direct adaptation it. is sometimes a strength, but sometimes I think you need to, you need to do some interpretation. Yeah. To me, it felt like its own movie. It felt like a twilight zone episode. Yeah, for sure. To me. But I wasn't watching for twilight zone. I was watching for the Morpheus. Yeah. All right. Well, Agree to disagree. Oh, but agree that Sandman's awesome and you should watch it. Yes. Um, Speaking of anybody, I'm I'm a Terry Moore fan. He is yes beyond. He's a great creator. He's a wonderful person when you get to see him at a con. And if you do, you should always buy stuff from him directly. He'll sign your books. He'll do everything you want. But as you say, Steve, it is very daunting when Strangers in Paradise ran for a decade. Whatever it was, yes. And where where do you jump in? But it sounded like Parker Girls. My real, I I knew Terry Moore stuff. You, you I jumped in and out. It was Motor Girl. Yep. That just wow, that blew me away. The surprises, the wonderful characterizations, the the wonderful messages. If you haven't read Motor Girl out there, you should. There's an omnibus that you can buy, and I'm sure it's it's all over the place online somewhere. Probably on Terry Moore's site itself. So is Parker Girls that sort of, I can jump right in and these new characters have all the depth as if you've read them for years the way Motor Girl did? As far as I can tell, yes. Like, if I had to put Parker Girls next to another Terry Moore creation, it would be Motor Girl, just in terms of being able to jump right in and not have to worry about knowing anyone. Um. I do think, I mean, obviously Terry Moore has a style, right? And so a lot of his characters, a lot of his female characters, female leads, they look similar to other characters that are featured throughout and, um, and let it, stuff. Let us just say, though, they are not the typical comic book ladies. They are sometimes round. Yes. Which is lovely. It is not the usual stuff. People are troubled. People have issues people look like human beings Yay. yeah but yeah, there's exactly there's, there's quite a bit of that um when alex and mark meet on the beach and she's trying to entice him to go get drinks because she knows who he is and wants to she's flirting with him but the way the way with which she does it is it's subtle but it's totally there and it's not it's not gratuitous like you might see in some other comics um and you know how Terry Moore is is able to write women who are super clever mm-hmm. and who know how to manipulate, but doing it in a very playful manner to get what they want and where and where they need to be. Um, and given always, that this is like a, uh, it's always about brain. It's always about their smarts. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 very obvious when you meet the rest of the team that they're a group of intelligent women going in to solve cases. They have a reputation for always 
doing, you know, the best job uh, and being given the clearance that they have because of who they are. But um, I, I, I just I lost my train of thought, but it, it's amazing. It's really anybody that's curious about it should go go out and pick it up. Yeah. Uh, Terry Moore stuff is always a quick read. Um, you don't like you get a lot out of it, but you don't it doesn't eat up so much of your time. You'll see. Go and check Sounds it out. Great. And I mean, his artwork is it's fantastic. Chris, and did you ever read Motor Girl? No, I haven't read Motor Girl. Oh, should, I, I I don't want to say too much because it spoils one of the great surprises in comics I've read in the Whoa. last 10 years. Okay. Yeah. It, it takes a shift to the left that you're not expecting. And it just deepens everything that you've read before and makes you reread what you read before. There's an omnibus that, that uh, hi, just highly recommended. It is just touching and funny and weird and br- yeah. brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant. All right. I have uh, I have given Motor Girl as gifts uh, Me too. around Christmas Me too. time, yeah. and uh, just to just to give you a good idea, Chris, yeah. as to where on the bar of importance it is, I own probably about five branded comic book shirt uh, shirts in my entire wardrobe. One of them is Motor wow. Girl. Wow! There, you go. there okay. you go. Yeah, represent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, another one is Rachel Rising. Ooh. Yep. Terry Moore fan. Oh, Rachel Over Rising here. slaps. Rachel mm-hmm. Rising. I thank Stephanie for that. She's the oh, one yeah. that brought that to the table for me. Phenomenal. Um, have you ever read any Terry Moore? Chris? No, I'm I'm looking him up right now, oh, and I really, I really haven't. Motor Girl's oh. good. Motor Girl's good because it's ten issues, so you could just bang that sucker out. <laughs> yeah. Rachel Rising's a lot more. Okay. Yes. A lot, but, Terry Moore. <laughs> oh, nicely done. But I think once you read Motor Girl, you're going to want to read everything else, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm on it. All right. Uh, you know what else you're on? You're on a lightning <laughs> round. <laughs> nicely played. Yeah. Uh, you should have been like, you're on deck because Bob is next. No, that would have been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I actually did what I said last week and I read Stagtown. I'm shocked. Anyway, I don't know if anyone else was. But I'm terribly bad at actually reading the thing I intend to. But um, <laughs> I know all about that. I know that. you do. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Shots fired. I mean, right across the bow. Uh, at myself. I don't know what you mean by that. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Stagtown. Oh, so this is one of the biggest webtoons that there is right now that everybody's been talking about. I had not given it a shot. I thought I would give it a try. And oh my God, it is so scary. <laughs> I love it. This is proper mindfuck horror. So Steve, you would love it. Ooh, yeah. I'm opening webtoon as you speak. Right. <laughs> it um it is kind of a serious version of like a welcome to nightvale situation or Ooh. um kind of uh um um oh god, I forgot the name of the show. The the Cthulhu show that came out recently. Lovecraft well, Country? Lovecraft Country. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's that yeah, I got kind of too. Yep. Yes, it's that kind of like quasi anthology but it's all happening to the same person so each kind of arc is her going through this weird thing that happens in her hometown um and she's stuck there because of money issues relatable content um so (laughs) she's like trying to get out but she can't right now so instead she's just like weathering this horror event after horror events that no one can explain that is just happening in this town um it starts out with 
one of the most terrifying images uh, of the arc is about these cameras that appear all over town, but they're like hydras. If you destroy one, three more pop back at its place. And slowly as time goes, it becomes clear that the cameras are a little bit more alive than they appear to be rather than mechanical. And it's very, very creepy. Um, the second one, a second arc made me afraid of marbles. So that's exciting. Um, it's, it takes like seemingly innocuous objects and makes them into horror iconic imagery. And I love it. It's got this mix of kind of uh, colorful backgrounds and sort of black and white for the actual people in the story. It is brilliant. I can't say enough about Stagtown. It's uh, doing something for carousels for me right now. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> I'll, I'll wait till the end but i i read the first i know i'm excited just, just to hear your to, thoughts just to check in so yes keep going I'll, we'll get back around yeah so i i decided to keep the horror train running and pick back up one that i've liked for a while which is called forced aquatica i think uh that is what it's called i'm just not sure if that's how it's said yeah. but um it uh it is the story that is sort of the omen meets like hitman <laughs> <laughs> what i said what i said like if the omen was john wick <laughs> um so there's the elevator pitch yeah <laughs> basically the story is about uh it starts in this nunnery where these you know orphans are taken in and there's one orphan that they keep away from all the other children because he is quote unquote a monster he doesn't know why he feels normal. He can't figure out what's going on, but they keep telling him he is cursed. Um, so at one point, this very kind nun is becomes convinced that this is just prejudice against him and tries to convince him to break the firmly set rules that he has been given. And he does. And all hell breaks loose because it turns out there is something weird about this child. <laughs> Um, what then happens is he ends up running away from the nunnery and being basically kidnapped by a hitman who uses his special omen child abilities to take out people in mysterious ways that can't be linked back to the their benefactors, basically. It is so scary and so wild and it goes in a million different directions and I love it so much. Okay, I'm looking for this and cannot find I couldn't it. E I Force, couldn't either. Force Aquitica? I, I I searched I searched on it. Oh my on god, Webtoon, I swear. Couldn't, couldn't find it. What the hell Chris, is it? Chris, I think you're cursed because you found a secret webtoon <laughs> that no one else has been is able it to called? Read. I swear I looked at it. It is what it's called. Did I put Get thee to a nunnery? Oh wait, there's a there's an A, not an I. Hold on. Oh, there we go. Webtoon search algorithm. Force Aquatica. Webtoon okay. search algorithm is the worst because if you lose a singular letter, it will never find what you're looking for. Oh, I found it in one search. Huh, there you go. <laughs> I love me some webtoons. I do not like their. It, uh, we've yeah, been over it this. Cannot, I, don't, I don't. I don't love their you interface. You have to search the exact name, or it it does not know what you mean. Yes. I just went for force, it, figuring something would turn up. No, it didn't. Yeah, no, it didn't. Strange. Yeah, no, yeah. it's there. Spell it for me one more time. Uh uh A Aqua Tica. Aqua Tica. <laughs> there we go. A Q U A T I C A. Okay. It's there. I put it in it's a great radio. Oh, there it, it is. Up. Okay. That's weird. Yeah. It's Webtoons does this all the time. 
Um, sometimes you put it in exactly and it still doesn't come up. So, you know, the search function is much desired. But uh, I did have to take a break from horror because my most anticipated webtoons of my life, I think, is out now. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> I'm so, I am so excited. So Red Hood and the Outlaws is out. They have three episodes up and three episodes behind the paywall. And you betcha I did pay for those three episodes. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> So I've read them and I am obsessed. I don't, I really don't know what else to say, but if you love Red Hood and you love his hijinks that he gets into, I think you will love Red Hood and the Outlaws. The art is incredible. The depth of yep. his backstory is so wonderful. They get into a lot of his stuff with Bruce real fast, which is awesome. And we've got his buddy Bizarro and Artemis and they're like little Please. mob yeah. of angry people together. And I love it so much. <laughs> And dinosaurs. Let's and not dinosaurs. forget dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was reading this last night. And I think something was awakened in me oh. the first time that Artemis showed she up. She is stunning. <laughs> <laughs> she is something else. I, I haven't, like taking notice of a comic book character like that in a very long time i'm scrolling and i'm yeah. scrolling i'm like this is amazing this is awesome this is a ay 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 what the she's incredible you know all kidding aside incredible uh character chemistry between everybody yeah. here the bizarro stuff his entrance into the story yes. is legendary one of my favorite moments of the year in comics <laughs> totally oh cool. my He's god totally cool. yeah this is this is a clearly very thirsty webtoon because we have oh, yeah. so many panels panning over artemis's like biceps and abs and we've got one whole panel of jason todd's back that is flexed and you can see some of his butt <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole scene where uh, Bertinelli shows up and yes. Jason Todd's just like in his underwear yeah. to the point yeah, where like yeah. Bertinelli's even like, can we get this man clothes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And, and the Artemis, this is not the Diodato Artemis with no. the, the Escher girl poses or whatever. No. This is a powerful, fun, sassy Artemis. It, it was great. I enjoyed Thick the with two C's. Yeah, Thick she with is. Four C's. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Look, good. this book, this book started in Red Hood. Jason Todd goes, now I'm Red Hood, anti-hero globetrotter who strikes yes. fear in villains and heroes alike. And I was like, this is, is this Webtoons? This is Webtoons. Yes. Like, I, this was so fun. I'm so glad that yeah. it was on your list. Oh, yeah, it's, it was so great. It made me just endlessly happy. Oh, truly. I, yeah, I'm almost like losing ability to speak. I'm just so happy about it. Um, but I love Bizarro being the like sweet baby himbo. <laughs> like, I was yes. literally going to say himbo before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, I, I, as, as someone who's fairly new to the webtoons thing, I have, I have, it's not a complaint. It's a comment mm -hmm. in, in this one particular, I was going to say book, which, which just brands me as an old fogey. <laughs> There's a lot of, as you're scrolling down, what could be thought of as filler, hmm. blank, That's black pages, or, web or, yeah. or, or, or is it a timing mechanism I, yeah. to land the joke when you get to the end of all the I, black stuff? Chris, you no, go I ahead. That is really common. It's sort of a, I would say, a motif for webtoons, and I do okay. think it is. It is because 
if you there are some that are kind of traditional comics that have just been put into webtoons and you can tell because it feels like you're doing a flip book through a comic it goes like flip 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 flip. it's too aggressive so a lot of them like everything is fine is a perfect example of that where it uses like these stretched art to kind of slow you down and make you like focus and think about what you've just read and it doesn't go too fast yeah this one the scroll felt purposeful so you know the the scene that i'm thinking of that i it really landed for me was a bizarro scene yeah with superman and they were in yes. space yeah. yes and there's the the debris the de- oh the yeah detritus, if you will yeah. the uh, space detritus and that scene that scroll that was yeah. it's just I, I for me as someone who doesn't read a lot of webtoons i just kind of treated it as mm-hmm in some instances kind of negative space as you would see on a page Mm -hmm. transitions things like that i think yeah it's it's really great it's tradition it it is like that it's the negative space but i think the best webtoons use it to an artistic advantage so they use it to show like that scene yeah like the bizarre to show space or to show movement and stuff like that like there again go back to everything is fine because i think it's the best example there's one whole like long scroll that you see a car driving and as you scroll down it's moving and it's it's Um, sorry no, to interrupt. No. It's it. It is the drive to the Outlook Hotel from The Shining. Yeah. Oh, that, okay. That's being okay. recreate recreated yeah. in webtoon, and you there's actually an, an audio file mm-hmm. that plays as you're scrolling, and so you're listening to this like doomy music as you're scrolling, 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 and there's also another moment in Everything Is Fine where um, characters leap from uh, from somewhere. And you follow them down on their descent and you have to scroll, scroll, scroll. And you basically follow the scream all the way down the page and it goes on for a long time and it does it on purpose. And when you act, when they actually land, you like I, when they landed, I had to kind of sit back for a second because I was just like, feel it. Oh God! Okay, yeah. so dramatic decision making rather is, than yeah. filler. Okay, you got me. Yeah, All right. I think one of the other examples of how I've seen it beautifully used. There's a webtoon called Ghost Lights, and that has a lot of themes of loneliness. So a lot of times they'll do these long pans of just nature, like the woods or whatever, to give you the sense of space that's so broad and alone that by the time you hit the character in the scene, you can feel how isolated they are. So. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, can I run, let me just run a quick thing on Stagtown. I've only read the first. Yes. Because I ran out of time before we came on. It turns out from what you're saying as we move forward that her friend Jeremy is right about these cameras. <laughs> I love the conspiracy that, theory guy turns out to actually be right in this case. Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah. This is one of those turn that trope on its head where the only yeah. person who's right is the paranoid one. <laughs> Great. That's lovely. It was, it was very scary, very yeah. gruesome without being overtly. So it was, yeah. But it, that whole carousel thing. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie carnival of souls? No. In the early 60s? Oh, you should. I have. You should. Right? Do you yeah. get the whole playground-y aspect of yeah. that, what I'm saying here, Steve? Or Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
I mean, just scrolling through it now, I have yet to really read it, but just from kind of ogling it as we've been talking, I can definitely see the comparisons. Yeah. Chris, take a, take a shot at, at Carnival of Souls. It's 1962. Okay. Herc Harvey directed this little weird little movie, and I can't say anything. It It's just atmosphere. Yeah. Black and white, and it. there are a lot of movies that have come since that have borrowed from Carnival of Souls. That's mm. all I'm going to say. Nice. So Red Hood and the Outlaws. You could read all of, by the way, you could read all of this stuff that Chris talked about for free yes. on Webtoons. Well, so not the second three Red Hood. I got, I <laughs> yeah. got stopped cold because I wanted my credit card. They I mean, will, wait a though. They'll be yeah. out. They come out weekly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. Yeah. So you just have to, you can fast pass to get them early or you can wait weekly, basically. Nice. Or you could be like me and wait weeks, two months, and all then out. have <laughs> several episodes yeah. waiting for exactly. you. Oh, I haven't read Let's Play in so long. I need to get back oh, to that. Uh, an update on the pineapple on pizza What's the poll. <laughs> poll. What's the polling looking like? 22 votes so far. We have uh, 59% yay, 41% nay. Hmm. Closer, so the, the than, I, closer than I thought. I thought the pineapples would have it, but I thought, you know, California Pizza Kitchen has, has tainted the world. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. I haven't eaten there in so long. Good for California you. California taints. Right next to the P.F. Chang's and the... Uh, what the hell is that place? The Cheesecake Factory. Oh, God, right. but, yes. But, but see, I, I'd, I'd rather go to Zbarro than the California Pizza Kitchen for those Mama of us on the island. Yes. Mama Sbarro's. Yes. There you go. I'll be over at Panda Express if you oh, need God. me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if, if you're in the Smith Haven Mall, Steve, you can go to Box Lunch. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, never mind. I'm not going to make that joke. Oh. Um, <laughs> don't, don't. Do it. Do but there's it. no, no, I'm not. There's, I'm no not. there's no Nathan's in the food court at the Smith Haven Mall anymore. Oh, I love Nathan's. I know. I grew up in a Nathan's. The, big, the one in Corum. The big fries, right? You got that crunchy outside and all oh, that potato God, inside. So good. I played Pac-Land in there. <laughs> there you go. I, Man, I, was, I've, yeah, no, I've I've talked about Nathan's a bunch on this show. That was a great Nathan's My, uh, in Corum, though. That that a great yeah. arcade. Yep. That was where I hung out. My dad, me and my dad, we would go. We would go to Port Jeff, and we would go fishing. And if he won the pool, the fishing pool for the day, which he almost always did, he would take the winnings, and we would go to Nathan's and just go nice. nuts. That's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would spend all of his money <laughs> on Smash TV and the original uh, Star Wars with the vector graphics, yes, Hackland. <laughs> oh man, that place was amazing. Oh, man, you're gonna make me start thinking about New York food again. Not that, <laughs> na- uh, all right, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Bob, go ahead. Oh, okay. So. Batgirls number nine, Becky Cloonan, Michael W. Conrad. We have Neil Gouge. I'm hoping I'm doing that. Rico Renzi and Becca Carey. Look, this series just continues to be my absolute favorite DC ongoing series. Yes. Now, now that it's Ooh. official, that is continuing. Okay. It's quirky, funny, and smart. Characterizations of our three Batgirls, they just always make me smile. Mm. This mystery here, too. 
one that goes really back to the series beginning, plus an ominous-seeming cliffhanger that, well, that harkens back to Batgirl year one, no less. If you love Gotham Academy or the Batgirl of Burnside, or frankly, Gail Simone's Batgirl or Birds of Prey too, you need to be reading this charming series, Nuff Set. Absolutely. Captain Carter, number five, Jamie McKelvey, Marika Cresta, Matt Miller, and Clayton Cowles brought this mini to a high stakes conclusion as Peggy's team goes a, goes all out to rescue her from the clutches of immortal vampire John Paulsworth. Now, he's planning to install himself Emperor of the UK, and it's his plan to use Captain Carter to, to, to ferment distrust in the government. Now, we get fabulous adventure, tons of action, on-point characterization, and some poignant moments, too. And there's some great messages to hear, such as when John opines, take a young man with no future, tell him someone else is to blame, and you've got a loyal follower. Ooh. Or Peggy, a bit later, when we defeated Fallsworth, Lizzie said that it was over. That's not true. We can't just pretend that with Fallsworth gone, everything is fine. Great stuff, and I need more Captain Carter, please. Two real quickies on fun kind of one-shots. Avengers and Moon Girl by Mahale Mashika Mashilo. I botched that entirely. Yes, it's Mashigo. And Diverse Hands. Let's do it that way. Um, it brings Lunella to Wakanda and beyond in search of the missing devil dinosaur and just an absolute delight. There can't be enough Lunella Lafayette in books. A more grown-up book was Ms. Marvel and Wolverine by Jody Hauser, Z. Carlos, Eric Arseniega, and Travis Lanham. And that isn't to say it wasn't a ton of fun. Kamala's outing in Central Park goes a bit sideways thanks to some robot murder hornets. Hmm. But together with a cadre of mutant guest stars, they clean things up. Or do they? There's another issue this bum, week. Bum, bum. Finally, Love Everlasting by Tom King, Elsa Chartier, Matt Hollingsworth, Clayton Cowles was absolutely outstanding. The creative team has put together a book that can be thought of as an homage to the romance comics of the 50s and 60s. But there's also a smart deconstruction of that period's books, as well as, possibly, a Twilight Zone mystery thriller. Hmm. There are three different, well, a total of three different lenses, and we'll have to wait until next time to find out, or will we? Art by Elsa Chartier is, of course, gorgeous. And the writing, well, has me flashing back to all the work from Tom King that I've loved in the past. I am just so glad I took a flyer on this, and I think you'll feel the same way. That will be. That's it for me. Well, we'll find out in a second. <laughs> I um. All right. I read a lot of Bob's lightning rounds. Um, Go for it. Go for so, it. So I'll, I'll so ruin everything at the end. I was. I was actually gonna pass on Ms. Marvel and Wolverine because I didn't know if it was gonna be a one shot or not. 
and it isn't, which I'm upset about because I don't want to read more. <laughs> but <laughs> I will say that I loved this issue. I really love seeing Kamala Khan with Wolverine again. I love their interactions. I love the seeing the X Men. Um, I love Jody Hauser. I think Jody Hauser is mm-hmm. a great writer, and uh, you know I've been off and on her work over the last I don't know, probably eight years at this point, going all the way back to when she was doing the. Um, work over at Titan and, and faith over with Valiant yes. and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I was into this first issue so much so that like, I forgot that there was another Ms. Marvel team up issue coming next week. I got to the end and I was like, there's more damn more. it. Like I, 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 I wanted just a one shot, but, <laughs> but, but I thought the art was fantastic I really, really loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was great. Batgirl, same thing. Like that book is so fun. I'm so glad that I get to read it every month. No, right. Um, I've settled into the characterization. I know that Aaron and I had talked about a couple of weeks ago, you know, that like Steph and Cass felt young compared to like how they're written in some other books. Mm. Um, but now that we're 10 issues into this series, that characterization has kind of really stuck for me. And I just love every joke, every yeah. beat. I think it's just so, so wonderful. Um, what was the other L- book? Love Everlasting. Love oh, Love Everlasting. Everlasting. Love Everlasting. I was in for it. Like the, first of all, I opened that book. It was Elsa Chartier art. I was like, let's do it. It was the <laughs> yeah. best. Like, I, I just like flipped. through just looking at it. It was fantastic. Um, and I, I, I had no idea what this was either. You know, I down, I, I, I got it because it was Tom King and also Chartier. You know, I, I usually give, I'll give one of them a shot on a number one. <laughs> so the fact that they're both on it, I'll definitely yeah. give it a shot. Um, so I'm reading the first story and I'm like, okay, I see what they're doing. They're doing those romance comics of the fifties. I see what they're doing. They're doing a little riff. And then that you get to the second story and you're like, oh, okay. This is going to be like an anthology thing. And then things get weird. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. Now you're talking my language. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I'm in for. So, yeah, I'm all in with this. I think it's really great. Um, Do we know how many issues this is going to be? No idea. Because also at the end, I was like, is this it? Is it just Love Our Lassie number one? Because it could also be that. I don't know. To be Um, continued, let's hope. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm in for this. I love that the Twilight Zone feel, the what's going on feel. I had no idea. Um, but the artwork just carries you through every single yeah. story. It is on fire. Um, and the kind of anthology structure of it keeps Tom King from jumping around time. <laughs> he, ha- he, has to, he has to tell the stories in their pockets. Yeah. And I think that that's really working out in a really great way. He needs so, rules. I loved it. The things I grabbed from your list, Bob, I, I really loved this That's week. Great. Thank it you, was, Joey. It was really awesome. Yeah. Chris, it sounds like you've read Batgirls. I love Batgirls. Oh, God. It's one of my favorite things, too. Uh, it kind of falls in what I consider my favorite genre of comics with Burnside and uh, Hellcat and Squirrel Girl. It's the very similar type of comic. And Bronwyn and I have discussed it over on Thought, and we've decided to call it Visual ASMR Comics. <laughs> Because, wow, I like that. <laughs> right? They're all so soothing and beautiful and these like very happy color schemes, stories that are a bit more slice of life. And I just love that. I want more of it. We had so many all in a row for a while there and then we've kind of got away from them. So I was really excited mm-hmm. that Batgirls is bringing that back and please do more with characters is all I want in this world. 
No, I don't know which cover you saw. I'm looking at one where we've got Cass with pool a unicorn pool floating. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love her little um, her little uh, favorite robe that she has, which is a little yes. unicorn. It's it brings me so jo- so much joy. And I know you- I loved her at the library this issue. Oh, yes. yes, with her bookworm shirt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that they're younger because this feels like the kind of story where I can give this to my niece and be like, here, read Bat Family. You know, I like that they get to be kind of teenage girl friends and they're guided by Oracle. I love everything about this story. And we had Alicia Yao in this issue. Which yeah. I love. yeah. It's it's a story that like continuity wise. Yeah. They should have they should have been doing ten years ago, but the yes. the climate of the industry ten years ago, mm. new fifty two stuff that was not yeah. this these characters, right? Uh, yeah, I'm glad it waited till now because they didn't understand Steph back then. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, or Cass, or Cass. to be honest. Either. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they've both got like short straws in DC Comics a lot of the time, so it's exciting yeah. to see them being themselves. Uh, I think Mark Doyle tried. Yeah. In his little time over there where, where it was Gotham Academy. And, and I loved the, Gotham Academy. Yeah. yeah. And maybe I, w- there is there are maps sightings lately, aren't there? Yeah, there have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed. That would be incredible if that came back. Eve, I, I saw that you read Love Everlasting. What is your feeling? <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I did. Come to crush our dreams. <laughs> yep. <laughs> pull my pants down and just business all over. No, I, I loved, loved, loved every page and panel of Elsa Chartier's artwork, just next level stuff from her. This book is positively gorgeous. I love the 50s style and vibe throughout the whole thing. It looks incredible and I am on board for more of that for however long this lasts. I did enjoy reading it. However, I will admit I had no idea what I was supposed to take away from this first issue. Mm. I have no idea what's happening and not in like a good, Oh, I'm so curious way in a, I have no idea what I was supposed to take away from this kind of way. And that's like, it's the first time that, Tom King's not the first time, but one of the few times where we we always do the debate of, is it better to wait until it's all done to read it in one lump? I don't know what I was supposed to take away from this first issue to set me up for the second one. So if you could give me the the dummies version of this, I would love that because my stupid brain couldn't figure it out. Halfway through the third story, our, our, our protagonist, our main protagonist, Joan, it's just looking out out, out at, at a scene and has sort of a flashback as, wait a minute, I what, George? What happened to George? And Kit, there was, what about Kit? Is he still singing? And she's in the middle of a Western. Time is folding into itself or in her head because as we get to the end, there are other things going on. Don't want to spoil too much ahead of time. But we have characters who may not be who they think they are or where they think they are and there's a lot going on here and and it may be better as a lump but i love reading through these three and a page story it's like wow i'm i'm a little lost but i think i got it 
No, she's she's caught in a loop. She's she's Groundhog in, Day in it. In, Truman showing it. That's in, what it infinite is. Infinite Loop, Elsa's series That's from a couple of years back. She's okay. doing. She's stuck in these. She's stuck in these eight-page romance strips, mm-hmm. and she's just cycling in and out of each one. And she's she's become conscious, and she's like, "Shit, I'm stuck in these these vintage comic romances, and I need to break out." That's what's happening. Okay. That's what's See, happening. Normally, if I had if I had made the time, I would have read through this a second time, and I probably would have been able to follow the loop a little bit better. But like I said, I'm on board anyway, just because it was such a visual feast, and I'm sure that I'll I'll warm to the story as it goes. Maybe I need one more to really settle into it, but it is positively just so gorgeous. Bob, Bob um, we've Twilight. always loved Twilight Zone. It's got a Twilight Zone vibe <laughs> to it. All right, you know what? I will. I will read it again. I'll read. I'll go back to one when two comes out, and I'll read them back to back and see what happens. We will too. I did like at the end when you open it, and it's like Substack, and I was oh, like, "Yes." Oh! <laughs> Is that where this appeared first? I guess. Everlastingproductions.substack.com. <laughs> oh, there it is. Go behind the scenes so with Tom and Elsa. I love I love the issue. I loved having it in my hands physically. That's all I'm going to say. I that's awesome. You don't, uh, what What's the last Elsa? Sh- the last Elsa Chartier thing I probably read was November. Mm-hmm. Yes, the I fraction. Don't see thing. her work that often. No anymore. I mean. She's been going on bigger and bigger, like long form projects. Yeah, which is great. But just like I remember the days when we had her every month. <laughs> she was on Wasp or on yeah. Star Wars Adventures things. Yeah. Yeah. Every, yep. like every month, every week, there was an Elsa Chartier book out there. She does do also, um, I don't know if you like follow her on like social media, but she does those like tutorial and like process videos that Ooh. are really cool. Where's Caitlin Yarsky been? She's been chilling. We should catch up with her. Call her up. I I will. You know what? I'll actually I'll I'll DM her right now. Like, what are you doing? Come on to the show. She'll be like, I left comics. Drain my soul. (laughs) Well, she was doing the um. Oh God, what is that? Jeff Lemire, the Black Hammer. She did a a Black Hammer series for a little while. When last time she was on, if I recall, she was talking about doing some kind of long form stuff. But that was a while ago. Apparently, she's busy fighting with her neighbors, according to her Twitter account. <laughs> oh, no. Well, that'll, that'll take up time. Well, She's got a, a gif of Kindergarten Cop of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> oh, that movie. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's so good. All right. Um, let's move on. I do love on. that movie. It's a good one. It's so good. Joey, it's your turn. All right. A couple of, uh, a lot of DC this week, yeah. actually. Did I, I've exclusively, yeah. I've just been riding the DC train. Yes, I was I like, do I have anything on here that's not? No. Um, all right. So uh, Naomi, number six. This is season two, number six. Season two is over. This is all done. This is Brian Michael Bendis, David Walker, Jamal Campbell. Um, the shocking conclusion to one of the most epic stories in all of DC Comics history. Um <laughs> So for those that have read season two, uh, which I don't think is a lot of people, I'm just going to throw that out <laughs> there. I feel like Naomi, f- for like we're like 
for the worst, to be honest, because like I, I love Naomi. I love Naomi season one. I love Naomi season two. I love the character Naomi. And as I've been talking about with the dark crisis stuff and even with the resolution to this series, I'm worried that Naomi's going away <laughs> and Aww. I'm sad about that um, because I, I, I think that Bendis and Walker were the shepherds of Naomi and without them kind of on those books, um, I don't know where she's going to go and who's going to pick her up. Um, so yeah, in season two, you know, she finds out more about her past and some more aliens come to get her from her planet and they're like f you naomi let's get her by herself and take her out <laughs> and she's like she's like no i'm naomi and oh no i'm all by myself can i fight them and of course she can like this is season two is all about her kind of realizing that she's strong on her own um which is a really which is a really great story um and the end of this issue and i'll spoil it because again i i don't think a lot of people are kind of catching up with it um she decides to go back to her planet um to kind of learn more about herself which is like yeah cool for the character but like the 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 pessimist in the back of my head is like and now she's off in space (laughs) and we'll never see her again and 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 i'm worried about that um with that said season two has been great i think now that it's all done bang it out one through six you know you're reading this campbell artwork those are big widescreen panels you'll be able to read this whole series probably in under an hour it's really great um and, you know, Bendis and Walker are great and they have a great handle on the character. They're, she's theirs, you know, and um, I, I'm really glad that I got to read some more Naomi. And I hope in the future I get to read more. Um, very quickly, I'll just go uh, through New Champion of Shazam number one, Josie Campbell, Doc Shaner with Becca Carey. Uh, John mentioned it last week when he was talking about Black Adam. Uh, this one's really cool. Mary Bromfield, you know, sh- uh, I guess like, regular shazam what's his name billy Billy batson billy batson you know billy batson he got sucked into a rock or something i don't know what's going on with that (laughs) went down the subway Um, and saw the wizard you know he sucked into a rock he got sucked into a rock and so now like shazam the shazam power is gone and mary's like you know what i'm cool with that i'm trying to go to vassar she's gone into college she's going to college she's great she's gonna like you know start a new life She's got that whole like, you know, um, uh, kind of trope of like, oh, I'm going off to college. I'm going to redefine myself. She's like, my name is Marina. And it's like, okay, no, it's not. Uh, And she's very self-conscious around her like rich roommates and stuff. So like a lot of great college coming of age stuff, drama there. And then this bunny starts talking to her and the bunny rabbit is like. Hoppy the Marvel bunny? Yes. Hoppy is like, Hoppy is like you have to be Shazam because Billy Batson's in a rock and and she's like, I don't want to. And they go back and forth. Look, this was a ton of fun. I, as you can tell from my total obliviousness to around all these characters, (laughs) I do not have a lot of connection to the Shazam stuff. Um, It, this, this, issue and doc shaner's artwork and josie campbell's kind of setup actually mirrors the film a lot like the family looks like the family from the film so like that was kind of a gateway for me um mary's a great character and watching her kind of come to terms with having to be the new champion of shazam is really cool but josie campbell makes sure to not let go of any of that kind of college coming of age insecurity drama as well so it's a really fun issue and like look same like we were talking about with elsa chartier 
anything Doc Shaner's on, I will get. Amen. Like, that yeah. that's my vibe. Like that's my aesthetic for comics. So like I'm in for that 100. Classic. Stuff. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh. So uh. So I also. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. So so last week, as you all discussed eloquently and without any fervor and chaos last week on the show, (laughs) um, you discussed the news around the the Warner Brothers Discovery stuff and the DC films. So I went and I watched. It got me like I was like, I want to watch some of them. I want to watch some of the highlights, some of the ones that I haven't seen in a while, whatever. Um, So before I get into that, because I think Steve is going to use that to transition. I'm just reading the segue coming. (laughs) Um, One of the one of the movies. You don't know me. One of the movies I watched. Actually, the first movie I watched was the the, the Snyder Cut Justice League because I hadn't watched it since, you know, it had come out. So I was like, let me pour myself a drink and watch it. You know, three or four drinks. Especially since, especially since it might go away forever and we'll never be able to see any of it again. So, so I wanted to make sure that I wanted to watch it. So before I go into my DCE rewatch notes and thoughts, watching Zack Snyder's Justice League, I wanted to read some Justice League. So I put in the chat, I was like, hey, any Justice League recommendations? I've been thinking about this Grant Morrison run. It's on DC Universe. Should I read it? And John was like, yeah, read it. It's great. Uh, you should check it out. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll start. And I read the first nine issues. Ooh. Uh, Grant Morrison, Howard Porter. This is from like the late nineties. Um, uh, uh, Morrison was brought on to kind of like centralize and revitalize the justice league of America name. Cause it kind of splintered off into a different things in the early nineties. Um, so he, so they focused on the core seven. They, they brought back Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, um, F- F- Wally West flash, and Green Lantern, who like on the cover, I was like, "Oh, is that Hal Jordan?" No, I'm like, it's not Hal Jordan. No. It's Guy Gardner. Uh, and then, and then, uh, Martian Manhunter. Um, and Connor Hawk, I think, actually comes a little bit later. I think I, I in like eight nine, whatever. So, some Green Arrow shows up, whatever. <laughs> um, look, this book is wild. Okay, they get the moon base. They fight some angels for a couple of issues. Yes, it it's is crazy i superman was blue at some point and i was like okay whatever um there's a lot of kind of like stuff going on like i didn't know what the hell was happening but i was like i loved it morrison is high concept i have a long history with morrison going back to new x-men stuff um all-star superman he did all-star superman right i love all-star superman um i it's one of my favorite superman stories uh morrison is high concept for sure but they managed to do it in a way that never feels kind of like pedantic or plotting like jla always feels big stakes high energy superhero storytelling even when we're dealing with like some nonsense like psychic fantasy viruses or whatever like <laughs> it is it is it is a quintessential superhero book but morrison also just loves doing weird stuff so like the fact that they're able to balance both of those things in this book and tell it with these marquee dc superheroes i think is so cool he um, does love superheroes is, i mean that's the he thing loves, with him. like yeah. morrison loves superheroes and and because because i think morrison understands both the kitschiness of them and the poppiness of them 
but also the kind of like mythology of them. And, and Morrison is always able to do both of those at the same time in a way that is both accessible, but also like WTF. Like, I don't know what's happening. Um, Convergence. The, yes. The artwork, the artwork is very late nineties and it's very DC house, uh, which is like, not my, not my vibe. But like I said, I like, I'm just like chewing through each issue. I'm just really into it. So I've read nine issues. Cause that's kind of like where the arc ended. Um, I got, I, I want to get up through the end of Morrison's run. So I think I got to get into the mid thirties. Cause that's when world war three or whatever happens. Um, um, I know that like Mark Wade has some filler issues in there too. So like, I'm excited to get to those. It's like a, just a cool era. But of these first nine are post identity crisis. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to, center it as to where before 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 identity crisis this is this is straight up like 1997 1998 okay identity crisis is early 2000s i think it's hard to keep track of all their crises i'm sorry (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. so anyway so so snyder cut so snyder's justice league led me down the justice league rabbit hole got me reading the comics that was cool um look so here's what i watched i went to the dceu i went on hbo max i was like all right none of these movies are going to be here anymore like you know David Saslav is going to be like, pull him, pull him off the, pull him off the, pull him off the internet. No one can ever see him again. Um, uh, yeah. And then we're going to be like gaslit to believe that like they never happened. Like there was never a Birds of Prey movie. Like, what are you talking about? Um, well, like they were telling like someone, someone like on one of those like stakeholder calls, they were, someone asked a question like, oh, is that thread from the Snyder cut of Justice League going to be continued? And like they were like the only Justice League that exists is 2017 Justice League. Oh. And I was like, oh god, oh god! <laughs> like wow. I gotta watch it. So I watched. So here's what I watched. I watched the Snyder Cut Justice League. I watched Aquaman. I watched Wonder Woman 84, and I watched Bird of Prey. Hmm. I didn't get to watch all of them because just too much, too many hours. Um, but I wanted to. So I watched Snyder's Justice League. I started there, and I think that like my takeaway from that is my takeaway from when we watched it two summers ago, right? Which is like. It like if if first and foremost, if you were not a fan of Snyder's iteration of those characters in Man of Steel or <laughs> Batman vs Superman, then of course his version of Justice League is not going to be for you either. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who watched like the Ultimate Edition and like the director's cut of Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman, and then into the Snyder Cut Justice League, I see I see what he's going for, and I see the threads. Do I think Wonder Woman should be throwing dudes' heads <laughs> exploding into walls? Yeah. Absolutely not. Like that is not something that should happen. Um, but I think that my takeaway is the same that it was then, which is it's a real. It, it really sucks that Warner Brothers was so st- stupid, just so stupid about that whole situation, mm-hmm. and and didn't. And brought in Joss Whedon in the first place and didn't give, I, I get, I, like, I quote unquote understand why, like, you got to make a release date. It's about money. Oh, blah, blah, yeah, blah, he blah, lost blah. his daughter. Could you give him, I give know, him a couple like, months? I mean, please. Six yeah. months. They've yeah. never, you know, like, they've put out Aquaman. They've never like, made a release date since then. So I know. Right. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, Good and point. it's a real bummer because like the Snyder cut four hour version is in no way perfect, but like, it is a ballsy, like it's his, like, and it's so clearly his continuation of what he was trying to do in two of uh, the first two movies. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the Justice League, there's a part of me that's like, 
there's a world where like the, those care those care what i realized at the end of justice league this time around because i wasn't as drunk as i was the last time <laughs> <laughs> last time around if you ever call i drank a whole bottle of wine myself yeah. in that first hour um the the second time around is the characters settle like the superman at the end of justice league and the batman at the end of justice league like you can see that they are more in line with the versions of those characters that I think we would like to see going forward. Um, and you know, wonder woman had had her own movie at that point. And I, I have a feeling that if they had made it a film, a cinematic release, like a, like the film release version, I don't think their heads would have exploded into blood on the walls. <laughs> I think that that was, that was a late addition in the Snyder uh, edit, but anyway, so I, look, I, I'm not saying that like I'm gonna watch the four hour cut again, <laughs> but like, look, Dark Side and like you know Steppenwolf, like being they both a, still like suck. A, I'm sorry. Yeah, like <laughs> like I like I was into it. I'm not gonna lie, yeah. like I was into it, not to the point again. Like, I but I'm also years after it a little bit more forgiving of the ultimate cuts of those first two movies because this was my takeaway, and this yeah. this is what I'll say about it. It's so clear to me after watching the three kind of like home releases of those movies that the releases that we saw in the movies that were complete and utter shit was like, like so stupid. Like they're like, why did they do that? And it like the, the, the notion that, you know, it's clear like the, the, the idea that Warner brothers is going to be like, we're going to fix it. Like our, like editorial, we're going to fix it. And it's like, no, it's clear to me that what's happening is like, you have these like really interesting directors and writers coming on to do these movies. And then you panic and edit it to shit and you cut out a bunch of stuff and you make a movie that like people hate, like people hate these movies. Like, yeah. like yeah. some of them are trash and uh, they are what they are. Um, well, here's stepping the away from more, Justice more, League though, right. like, Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, stepping away from Justice League, I was watching Justice League and I was like, Jason Momoa is cool. Yeah. (laughs) I want to watch Aquaman. So then I watch Aquaman the next night and I was like, this movie is so cool. Like, James Bond and Jason Momoa were like, let's just do whatever the hell we want. It's a mess, but it's it's an enjoyable mess. It's it, it's it, I, it's it's big. It's brash. It's bold. I will go down. I will die on this hill. Yep. That I think Jason Momoa <laughs> is a perfect cast as Aquaman. I agree. Like, there is. There, I think he's so good. I I'm going to come aboard. I am. I am yeah. going to. I am going to disagree. I think he is a terrible Aquaman based on the books any I've ever read. But God damn is he fun to watch on screen <laughs> so, right i don't care like, about the books anymore i just want to watch exactly. him yeah he's over there and he's he makes talking to fish look cool yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. and i'm like okay let's do it and he's flying around he's punching things i'm like this is he's so fun patrick wilson is chewing the scenery absolutely so, so and tomorrow morrison are so good in that movie like that movie is so good i watched that movie beginning to end and i was like man what is? I hope they release Aquaman too. Like, yeah, I, 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 I want. I want to see more of his dad. I love Nicole Kidman in this oh, movie. Tamara uh, Morrison yes. is great. Amber Heard is think... great in the movie. I, there's nothing except for as a cinephile that the movie doesn't make a lot of sense and it's all over the place. Well, but when you're watching it, you're so engrossed in what's going yes. on, you don't even think about. It. After it's like, yeah. what so, just happened? What I, you, I don't, don't even care. That, you Let me don't watch it again. Pe- 
you don't need a coherent plot when you have an octopus playing the drums and somebody with <laughs> a jellyfish <laughs> as a dress. Exactly. <laughs> this octopus starts playing the drums and I'm like, what the hell? So like that so here's the thing. Aquaman and Birds of Prey. Yes. Yes, same vibe. Feel yes. feel to me. Yes. Feel to me like the most hands-off movies. Like they were just like, whatever you guys want to do, Jason Momoa, James Wan, and Kathy, like, you know, squad up over there on, on, on Birds of Prey, like just do your movie. Those two movies feel, and Suicide Squad feels that way, the Suicide Squad feels that way too, the James Gunn one. And like, that's what I'm saying. Like when Warner Brothers kind of just sat back and let people make movies, Mm. look, adaptation of characters we love, hit or miss, let's be real. (laughs) Like some of these characters that we're seeing on the screen, barely recognizable in terms of the comics that we read yeah but in terms of like movies and energy and entertainment like the movies that feel like those directors made those movies and wrote those movies and where they were allowed to play like those are winners and then you watch the snyder cut and you think about it in comparison to the The justice league 2017 and you're like this is what you don't want to do right like don't like just let him make his movie like i get it like it's it's divisive and people are up in arms about certain things but end of the day the snyder cut version of that film is just is 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 much more in line with what had been happening then yeah. that tra- that trash fire of a 2017 yeah. cinematic release. It's yep. also more and in like, keeping with itself beginning to end. Yeah, it actually oh matters. Exactly. Four hours worth of it matters where most of Whedon's, it just it all falls apart. There's just yeah. no yeah. characterization that matters. There's no through line. There's no consistency. It's all, I can do a bit here. I can do a bit over here and a yeah. bit over here and... Yeah. Who cares? And the last movie I watched, and this will be it. Um, look, I haven't been on the show a couple of weeks, so I get an extended lightning round. Is what it yes. is. Um, <laughs> the the I watched Wonder Woman eighty four for the first time since release, and uh, for those that were following along in the talking comics chat, <laughs> which was a joy, which was a joy. Um, I there's like the, there's ninety eight percent of that movie is awesome. I agree, but the two percent that isn't it ruins sucks. the whole movie. Yes. <laughs> Like it ruins the whole movie for me, and the two percent that ruins the whole movie for me is Steve. Steve. And like, <laughs> and like, it is the it is such a it's such a it's such an eye like it's so obvious like it's and it's so unnecessary. It's like two things are true. One is Steve doesn't need to be in that movie. No. Like, we all love for Chris length, Pine, but he doesn't need to be in this movie. But, but that's the thing. I think we just all love we Chris do. Pine. So yeah. they were just like, let's get Chris Pine it's back. It's hard to let and, him go, and, but it was time. Yes. And like, and like, two is like, if you wanted to do that storyline, there is no, there is no, no reason why he couldn't just manifest. Yeah, out it's magic after like, all, right? Yeah. Like, for example, the hundreds of nuclear weapons that also <laughs> manifest out of nothing in that movie. So it's like the logic of the film itself would allow him to just appear and not body yeah. steal Psylocke <laughs> yeah, style, yeah. you know? like So that 2% genuinely ruins the movie for me. Um, yeah. Because also I think the fact that Steve Trevor is there makes that movie a little bit long and it really cuts some momentum in the yeah. middle when she has to like teach him about art and stuff. And it's like, okay. We and and yet even he's still mansplaining stuff to Diana. Yeah. Oh, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. So yeah, because the other 98% of like, you know, Max Lord yes. and the wishes oh, and, so and like the third and, like, act you know, of this you... movie is so much better than the third act of the first one because uh, Wonder yes. Woman talks down an entire world yeah. out, yes. out of their problems 
that's Look, that's Marston's, that's Perez's Wonder Woman. That's yeah. who she is. There are there are times. <laughs> this is the other thing too. Jason Momoa, Aquaman, fucking love it. Like yes. it's like great. But yes. Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn, perfect. Oscar, give her an Oscar. Yes. Um, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. <laughs> there are scenes when I'm like, okay, Gal, like good. Okay, you did a good job there. That was a good scene. And then there are other scenes where I'm like, honey. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. just one more take just one more take yeah. there come on um she she's she's hit or miss for me as as diana Th- that the third act confrontation between max and diana though so uh good. when he's like bleeding out of his eyes and stuff and like she's got the lasso around his ankle like i cried i genuinely cried yeah. at the end of wonder woman 84 like it is beautiful and then i remembered that like Steve took over a guy's body and they had sex. Right? Yeah, and, had, and had his fanny pack on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was glad to watch it again because I hadn't since release. Um, I, I don't know what the future is for a lot of these movies. I know that we got some news stories coming up to, to kind of elaborate, but like, mm-hmm. I, I the all of the news around it over the last couple of weeks really made me want to go back and watch stuff. <laughs> a partly as I meant that kind of facetiously, but also not so facetiously that like some of this stuff might end up disappearing soon. Yeah. Um, but also to kind of just see like like what what is being trashed because mm-hmm. I I I my guess honestly is the reason why we're getting Shazam and Black Adam at all is because those trailers are already out there. And they spent and, two hundred million dollars making spent, these. Yeah, yeah, and and that movie and that post is that post is done and they're ready to release and they're just gonna put it out there and then it's done. And I think if they can get to the flash, they'll get to the flash and use it as like, okay, we're gonna wipe the slate clean and start over With because Batman like, and watching, Superman. Yeah, like watching all these <sighs> movies again, I'm like, <sighs> my guess, dude, is they're just gonna clean reboot from the top and honestly whatever like the Batgirls thing like that sucks like yeah. it is so sad and i was like thinking and i was like when was that movie gonna release like it was gonna release like late 2023 probably like at that point they're probably thinking you know we haven't done the effects on it yet we haven't no one's seen footage of it let's just take our money and run and it's greed and it's it's supremacy it's all that stuff you guys talked about last week but honestly, I think the biggest thing is I think that Warner Brothers Discovery, David Zaslav, Captain Planet Villain, all that yeah. nonsense. I think he's like, I am stuck with this trash mm-hmm. and I want to dump it as soon as possible. And if I can make money on it by releasing Flash and releasing Black Adam and releasing Shazam, great. Because it is a shock to me that Shazam for Fury of the Gods is coming out. Yeah. But I think the only reason why it is is because there's already a trailer and it's ready to go. And if it wasn't, they would have been. That would have been on the the pile yeah. too. That's my guess. Sorry, Steve, for for Bogart and that for so long. But <laughs> no, to, no, it was a great conversation. It's all right, it man. Is. And they get eleven. How they get eleven million dollar tax break for shelving Batgirl. Mm. Yeah. I well, they get eleven yep. million dollar tax break, and also they don't have to worry about like, but where's Batgirl in your future plans? Because they don't have any future plans. Well, for they, they they had they had plans, they had plans for they had plans for Batgirl. The problem is that since. Ezra Miller caused so many issues. The Flash well, is now pushed past I, where it was going to actually inform what was going to happen in Batgirl. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing, and I'm also shocked that movies like 
not shocked, like pleasantly shocked. Like I want to see them. Like Black Canary still in development, yeah. and Blue Beetle. Uh, we'll never see like, Black Canary. I don't. I don't think. Well, we'll that's see the thing. Like either, never seen Black. Canary. We'll see, but like, like uh, that's why I watching these movies. I'm like, wow, like Aquaman's so cool. Yeah. Like I really get to see that movie. What James Wan and Jason Momoa want to do. My fear is that they're just going to be like, well, these movies are too expensive. Let's scrap them and we'll just do Batman and Superman again in a couple of years. The pearls will be in the alley once Ah! again. But also, that's why... Well, yeah, exactly. But that's also why I think the Michael Keaton thing, which was like a cool extension of like what Hamada and what uh, the whole gang was trying to do with those movies. I don't think Zazlav and Warner Brothers and all of them kind of get that. Especially because like general audiences that like aren't on the dirt sheets, like they don't really know all that like what's going mm-hmm. on so like i think they'll get a test screening and they'll be like i thought michael keaton was batman in the 80s and they'll be like oh scratch that well, he, you know, right like, he's out of the flash and aquaman and aquaman well that's what i mean yeah. so like i think that i think that i i genuinely see them just being like what is this what is the most streamlined continuity we can do to like move forward and they're they're are you saying they're going to do a dc rebirth where they're like keep they'll keep ben affleck batman yeah. <laughs> and all of the batman stuff stays the same but everything else changes, changes. Uh, i think so 100 percent. i yeah, what i hope i mean what probably is going to happen but i w- don't want is that we're going to marvel eyes dc movies you know because marvel has its own tone its own way of being they're all very similar movies they're they're yes. from the same cloth dc isn't like that they're weird they're different from each other and it's chaotic sometimes it's hit or miss but they have a style that's so different and i just don't think we're gonna keep that and it makes me really sad because it's what i love about them my other question, as someone who literally dived into Grant Morrison JLA number one with <laughs> no context around half of these characters, really, like I read Steve Orlando's Martian Manhunter, but that takes place 20 years <laughs> after yeah, this, you know, like, so I also wonder why people are so obsessed with these origin story movies and like things like that. Like you could do a Justice League movie yeah, and just, just go. Like, like I, I like uh, you watch some of these animated features, like uh, New Frontier. Like those characters, like you don't get origins for those characters. No. You just dropped in and they're there. Yeah. You know, you put a movie up there with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and the Flash. Like people are gonna be like, "All right, let's go." Mm-hmm. Like they're not. Oh, I didn't see the Flash movie. Am I gonna know what's no, happening? But I saw no nine one... seasons of it on television. Maybe <laughs> exactly. good to go. Like, no one like you like. If you really want to be bold, I think I said this maybe three years ago mm-hmm. when DC last time they said we're gonna get a plan. We have a plan. <laughs> you know, I probably said this then too. Like, look, Marvel had to do what they did because they were stuck with B-list characters. Yeah. You know, they didn't have the X-Men, they didn't the have yep. Spider-Man, they didn't have Fantastic Four. So they were like, we have to introduce Iron Man to mass audience. Yeah. We have to, maybe not Captain America, but like we have to introduce Thor, we have to introduce these characters, and then we'll build to Avengers. But that's also how the Marvel universe kind of operates. Right. Like if you if Warner Brothers Discovery DC whatever the hell they want to do if they want to be bold do whatever you're going to do the next year settle yourselves and then just be like fuck it we're doing Justice League we're going to get George Miller's Justice League let's oh, do it I'd like, love to have seen that like we're just going to do it straight out like you, yeah. you know who Batman is you know who Superman is you know who Wonder Woman is just do it and just I think that like there's no point in doing it. and then you could spin out from there and you'll make tons oh, of money right. but like why? Like why? I had said a few years ago, what if they had done a a Green Lantern Flash Brave and the Bold movie from that oh, miniseries? That'd be great. And then 
folded them into the Justice League of all those characters we all know, you're good to go. You, you already have five great characters. Yeah. I still think you start with Justice League. I think you start with Justice League and then you're like, we're doing Brave and the Bold. We're doing Green Arrow, Green Lantern. We're doing Batman Superman World's Finest. Yeah. Like just bang, 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 bang. Just let's start with Justice League. Like boom. I like the idea they, of just going team movies. That's amazing. Let's do it. Well, look, Marvel, well, Fox did the X-Men and no one knew, who, well, people knew who they yeah. were, but they, they introduced seven characters at once. And they did amazing. That, yeah. Oh, those were so yeah. good. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Yes, C, C list characters, D list characters. <laughs> let's let's yeah. let, let's be honest, and yeah. you get the right director behind it. You made it work. The thing with Marvel is they do hire interesting directors, but mm. they have to play in Marvel's sandbox. Exactly. But you still get Sam Raimi. You get Sam Raimi, and he made a Sam Raimi Doctor Strange. Yeah, you yeah. still got gun making Guardians. Kenneth Branagh's Thor might as well be King Lear. I love that movie right. so much. So they still they still get to do their little quirks, yeah. But maybe not as quirky as the DC people did. But the thing with the DC ones is, I'm I'm in the minority. Christopher Nolan, who is a wonderful director, made great movies, but I don't think he made great Batman movies. Yeah. At the well, end of the day, oh Batman, like he made a Batman movie, and like I I I that. Batman Begins is, I really love Batman I Begins. I do too. That's my favorite of the three. I also, and I, Steve, I don't know if you know, have heard anything, but like, are there, like, what's up with, what's up with Pattinson's Batman? The second The Batman has not been officially greenlit yet. Oh. That's what I'm saying, bro. Like, they wow. are just like, I think they're just like, that's, we're just uh, gonna. It's my favorite. <laughs> that's so sad. I mean, it doesn't mean that it's I not know. going to happen, but just. There's nothing official yet, which is madness mm -hmm. when you consider how much money that movie made and how well received yeah. it was, even by people that yeah. were skeptical of it, came around to it. I mean, at least the majority. Um, and it would it would even be a shame for them to lose Matt Reeves oh, as great. a yes. director and as like a as a production partner because he yeah. just he's kind of. I mean, I don't want to say he's an up-and-coming director because that's not well, what he he's is. He's already but... have, having been their director, but yeah. Yeah, but he like he was just like with the Batman, he kind of hit on another level. Like, what do you how do you follow up this tremendous, technologically astounding uh Planet of the Apes reboot that he did? And those movies only got better with each mm -hmm. installment. I don't know if yes, any of you have ever seen them, but yeah. they're they're very good. And then, you know, Batman, say what you will about it, but that movie did really big and it, it turned people around on our pats as Batman, which was a huge, huge accomplishment. When you, you know, people, the, the vast majority of people forget about all the other amazing movies that Robert Pattinson has been a part of in the past few years, from The Lighthouse to Tenant and other things. They all think of him as the Twilight guy. Good times. <laughs> And they and they had that uh, going against them even to this day the entire time, and he blew people away. And they they've got these spinoffs coming. They've got comic books based on that world coming out. Well, the spinoffs are in question, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I think that the 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 other thing that's boggling about the news coming out of last week is like. We talked about this when the Batman was released. Like that is a content launchpad. 
Gotham Central mm. and, and yeah. James Gordon and, and more and more and more and more and more. And they're like, nah, HBO Max, snip, snip. Like, like the it. problem, the the problem right now is that there's a lot of conflicting reports about what is and isn't canceled. Because earlier this week, they said that Static Shock was canceled, straight up, not happening. And then two days later, if you dig into one of the other article, one of the other DC related articles, it says that that's still on the menu, completely going against what I reported on the other day. So now, like even in my newer article, I wrote like, now we don't know which end is up because all these places are claiming to have the scoop, but no one knows for sure. Are they waiting to hear public opinion as they did with for the which? Snyder cut? Just so just in general, oh, we're going to do this. And then people say, wait, what? no static shock. Uh, oh, you cancel Supergirl and you cancel the Ta-Nehisi Coates Superman while you're at it. Well, that's apparently see that then here's the here's the conflicting thing that is apparently also still on on the dock uh the Tanahisi Coat Superman is apparently still going forward and then the thing that's saving static shock is that it's produced by Michael B Jordan uh, so like I, how could you not want to do business with him i think that the the like the issue is they don't have a plan they don't have a plan. So they're, I think, I think the conflicting reports are representative of the fact that like on a day-to-day basis, actually, you know what? Maybe we will use Ta-Nehisi Coates as Superman script or, you know, ah, oh, you know what? Actually, maybe we will do static shock or maybe we won't, or maybe we won't because these things are all in development up or down. So it's, it's not necessarily costing them money yet. And they don't have a plan yet. They've no, even however many times they say, we're going to have a 10 year plan and we're going to add a person and blah, 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 until it's in place. Any of these things could or could not happen. The Schrodinger's yeah. cat box. <laughs> yeah. Don't let John so hear why, you. It's alive and dead. <laughs> Schrodinger's litter box is more like Hey-oh. <laughs> right. Can we get into some of this news? We'll probably come back around to yes. some of this stuff in a little bit. Uh, some good news on the DC end of the spectrum is the absolutely amazing Poison Ivy yes. solo series from G. Willow Wilson. Due to fan demand, you wanted it, you got it. You're getting another arc of G. Willow Wilson's Poison Ivy, wow. which is fantastic news because it is a great series so far. Amen. Love it. I want more than two, but I'll take two for now. Well, it says here, uh, Poison Ivy number seven kicks off the new six issue story arc in December. So they're good. It's going to be going for a little while. Uh, And Wilson is on here. Let me see. Uh, Interior artist for issues seven and eight is uh, Ihan, a graduate of DC's Milestone Initiative. Right. And then makes his DC debut. And then back around to our original artist of the first six. Right. And then uh, Marcio Takara. Uh, Takara returns with Poison Ivy number nine. Jessica Fong, Joshua Middleton, uh, J- uh, Jenny Frizen, and more will continue contributing covers for the series. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna keep going uh, with this for right now, which is absolutely outstanding. It's a great, great uh, book. And we are getting another so, animated series tie-in coming soon oh. next month. Yeah. Oh, like another Eat, Bang, Kill tour kind yep. of thing? Cool. Is T. Franklin doing it again? Yep. Oh, yeah! 
not so good. <laughs> I don't think Max Saren's involved this time, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I didn't put this in the news because I keep forgetting, but I'll, I'll mention it. I don't even know if I mentioned it last week. Um, oh, I did mention it last week. The whole Christina Ricci, um, Harley Quinn podcast thing. The people that did Batman Unburied are making a Harley Quinn. Which I also listened to, Steve, and I also loved. I'm just going to back you up on that because every time you bring it up, I'm never on the show. And you're always like crickets. And I'm like, I listened, I listened and I loved it. <laughs> did you? Have you read any of G. Will Wilson's Poison Ivy? No, I did not. Okay. But you've heard me on the show, like knowing the poison ivy from the Batman Unburied story, it feels like you're following that character onto a new book. It's real good. It's real, real good. Um, Our second story was the Red Hood Outlaws, and then it came out. So I don't know that we need to go through this. (laughs) It was a great trailer. Um, (laughs) More webtoon trailers, please. That's what I want. And a great book. Everybody should everybody should go read it, upvote it, click the little thing at the bottom, the little star. What? Yep. I gotta click things? Right. I actually <laughs> left a comment. I left for the first time ever in my Webtoons history, I left a comment on a Webtoon. Did you say uh, Boinga when she popped up on the screen? <laughs> no, I left my, my Magic Mike Bizarro oh, uh, observation good. on there. I'll go there. find that and I was it. like, Magic, Magic Mike Bizarro riding a pterodactyl is giving me life right oh, now. Nothing better so amazing um so yeah we we put a lot of stories on um on the outline here but they're all kind of in and around the same thing um like i said we could sift through these and tell you maybe what is or isn't coming out in all honesty in my personal opinion nobody really knows i don't even know that dc knows uh, at this point but the one until i see a trailer it's not real yeah yeah uh one of the bigger stories though that came out that I think might be interesting to talk about uh, for at least a couple of minutes has to do with the flash and um, Ezra Miller. And so this is interesting because a, a source with knowledge of the situation says the studio appears to be preparing for three possible scenarios. And then there's something else that's kind of just, they snuck it in with this that I think is even more interesting, but I'm going to read through the three things without pausing and then we can we can assess the situation so first Warners has received indications of the 29 year old miller whose mother has accomplished blah 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 blah. um let's see interview at some point okay they want ezra to do an interview at some point explaining their erratic behavior over the past few years the actor could then do limited press for the flash and the movie would open in cinemas as planned the second scenario hold on even if Miller doesn't reach out for help, Warners could still release the film, but don't expect Miller to play a prominent role in terms of marketing and publicity, nor would Miller be the Flash going forward as the role would be recast in further projects. Finally, the situation with Miller deteriorates further. This would see Warners killing the movie outright as it could not be reshot with a different actor. Um, that's the other thing. And I think I've said this on the thing. Stop asking them to recast the entire movie and reshoot it. It's never going to happen. The movie is is done. They just don't know what to do with it. But the one of the biggest things of, of from this article towards the bottom that they just mention it and then kind of walk away is that Ezra Miller showed up to WB over the summer. Yeah. 
to do reshoots <gasps> yep. for this movie. Last month. What? Last With month. With an open warrant? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> With with authorities looking to question them about just a cavalcade oh of bullshit. God. And Miller took a break from their 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 hiatus, their their cult vacation, <laughs> whatever it is that they're doing, and showed up to the WB lot to do a series of reshoots and then went on their merry way. What was that water cooler moment with them like? Like the other cast members being like, so what have you been? Oh, never, no, never mind. Right? <laughs> right? Be, be uh, in Iceland, yeah, that's uh, what I was uh, yeah. Well, I bet you they had them doing solo shots against a green screen. They had to. Yeah. <laughs> they can't let them I just, it's, it's wild to me that Ezra Miller is still out there doing their things <laughs> and avoiding <laughs> the authorities. And then well, the, rest of the, the whole thing has been, week, I thought. yeah, but the whole thing has been, we don't know where they are. Right, apparently we and do. Then, apparently we don't well, exactly they they Bob, no, Bob, they weren't arrested. No. They were being looked, sought after. Oh, in oh they've been making fun of the police this whole time, which, you know, makes more sense now that I know they've been doing reshoots at WB. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I. I. It, it boggles my mind to think that they would put out a Flash movie and the Flash doesn't do marketing for it. Um, I get you though, Steve. That like, I. I. I too am also like, like people that are like, oh, just reshoot the movie. Like, yeah, if it was like Justice League and like the Flash was in like 15 <laughs> minutes of it, maybe. But this is the Flash, and not only is it the Flash, it's the Flash interacting with other the flashes <laughs> like so it's right. like they would have to it would, it's an impossible task so you know that's all that's a whole thing well miller apparently plays multiple characters in this movie I so know. i think you're gonna see that flash from different multiverses oh or whatever i think if you had if you want like a reshoot example at an extreme and even this is a little bit uh ridiculous but WB has not said what the state of Amber Heard is in the new Aquaman. And we've not heard a peep about the new Aquaman this whole time. And that is a role that if you really, really wanted to spend the money and you wanted to avoid the circus, you could probably go in and do that. But to recast Ezra Miller as the Flash at this stage of the game impossible yeah. and you cannot get everyone back to shoot an entirely different movie you you're gonna go up to michael keaton who strapped on that batman <laughs> suit and yeah. you're gonna say after, after um, you just canceled his other movie oh God. right michael like we know that you you probably really didn't want to do this at all but we somehow convinced you to do it and we canceled the other movie but now we're gonna yeah. have to have you come in for a couple of weeks to do reshoots for everything that we already did, get out of here. No, There's no, no way. Ridley Scott did replace Kevin Spacey, but but yeah. but he was not at, he was not he's not the star of the movie. Two hours I, of the movie. Uh, yeah. Zack Snyder replaced that that guy with Tignataro in Army of yeah. Zombies and and <laughs> seem what was it Army of Ar Army of the Dead Army of the Dead by the way it's relatively seamless but Tig was in like maybe 10, 15 minutes of the movie yeah. right and it was all green screen and nobody was there <laughs> oh. with exactly. with Tig at exactly. all exactly. So, like, yeah. I think it's a big ask to do it. And I also think it's a big ask for, again, I go back to what I was saying before, for a movie that if I had to guess, 
Warner Brothers Discovery and the new brain trust there would feel much better just being like everything is canceled. Like that's that's the vibe I get. Like no matter what they go ahead. They leaked this week how the test screenings of the Flash went really well and people love it. Sure, and 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 the same thing like the Black Adam stuff, and it's like oh we added a scene and all that stuff. It's like. the vibe I'm getting from the discovery calls and the stakeholder stuff, like they, (laughs) the, the movies that have footage out, the movies that have been marketed already and they need to sell because they can't cancel them and get a tax break because there's already footage out and it's, it's on the release schedule, right? Batgirl and all these other movies that are in development that they're like, yeah, we're still working on it. Yeah. Ultimately, they don't have to release any of them because no one has seen anything from any of them. These mm-hmm. three movies, Black Adam, Shazam, and um, Flash, people have seen things and 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 trailers and release dates and there's 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 press for all of them. And Dwayne the Rock Johnson can't keep his mouth shut. Like it's it's insane. <laughs> like. Like that movie is going to have a 90% drop off in the second weekend. I am predicting that yeah. right now. <laughs> like, like it is mind blowing to me, but the reason why those movies are coming out is because there's footage. The vibe I get from all of the Zaslav stuff is like, if it were up to him, that slate would be wiped clean and they would start day one with a new DC universe plan to do whatever they're going to yeah, do in like the next three years. years time. Sure. So that's why they're going to release a couple of movies. They're going to make some big money on it that have, that's why also i'm scared for aquaman too i know because we have like you said we have heard we haven't heard a peep from that movie at all we haven't seen any footage it's done i think right yeah. like I yeah think it's, it's done shot it, it's done haven't heard a peep about that movie um or seen any footage of it at the pre at the at comic-con so like i'm scared for that Me movie too. Mm. um you mentioned army of the dead just before, as a little aside, the prequel, Army of Thieves. Rules. Pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. good. <laughs> I watched it. I really enjoyed it. I was kind of shocked. Um, much better than Army of the Dead, in my opinion. Yeah. I I wonder, I wonder what a movie like Flash would be like released without a full press marketing... I think that if you're going to do it, you need to pivot. You need to put the spotlight on the other characters in the film and you lean on the Michael Keaton-ness of it and and other other stars that are in that. Yeah, but each of them is going to be asked about Ezra Miller. Oh, of course. Of course. But you, you know what? You, you have people sign a, a clause. You get your, your little cronies to mm-hmm. draw up the paperwork that says you can do this interview, but you're not allowed to ask about Ezra Miller as a, as a rule yeah. of this interview. I think we went way too fast past the part where they said, if Ezra Miller does an interview explaining themselves, then they can do press again. In what world? What's the explanation? <laughs> they want, that is they want Ezra Miller me. 60 minutes. <laughs> yes. Okay, like they'll an do, R. Kelly thing? Okay, uh, that yeah. went well. They'll do, no, they'll do an Ezra Miller 60 minutes. Uh-huh. So they'll, they'll do the talk. You know, they'll do the interview. And then they'll do minimal press going but forward. But in what world is that a good plan? They, 
It's not. It doesn't matter because is there. I think that the the plan is we need to get this into theaters, make three hundred million dollars opening weekend, and, and then we never need to worry about this ever again. And then just wait, and like, like top to bottom, not just Ezra yeah. Miller, because I just go back to what I said before: Ezra Miller, Michael Keaton, Supergirl, like all the things in that movie, yeah. gone. He, <laughs> like like yeah. none of it's gonna. Here's exist my again. bold prediction: they scrap the Flash, and then a couple years. We see a Discovery Plus documentary about Ezra Miller using some of the footage from The Flash. Ah. <laughs> the true Hollywood story. The true story. It's like House of Hammer that's coming out, but it's Ezra Miller. So, and it's just like the whole deal. <laughs> yes, I. You knew I had to work in House. It's of Miller Hammer. time. It's Miller time, and that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna use the footage from the movie for that. That's my call. Yeah, it's it's a real bummer. Like all of these things are swirling around right now around every one of these movies. And like, it's sad, but like the easiest, the path of least resistance is just everything's canceled. <laughs> like, like just yeah. everything's gone. And it sucks because like the Supergirl, uh, I remember the actress's name who's playing her, but like was so excited yeah. to be playing Supergirl, you know, and, and yeah. Leslie Grace is Batgirl and Michael Keaton and J.K. Simmons and like and and all of these elements around all of these films that are happening, even the even. And this is the other thing that I'm really upset about, too, is like, yeah, The Rock can talk about whatever the hell he wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I'm sad because if they do wipe the slate clean, the Justice Society characters that are going to be in that movie, gone. Hawkman, Dr. Fate, like like, all these like B-list characters that are going to be in that movie, you know, like I get it. Yeah, The Rock is The Rock and he's like box office whatever. But like, is there a place for Black Adam in in the 10-year DC Warner Brothers plan? Who knows? He can talk up whatever game he wants to talk, but... Biggest star in Hollywood, it may not make a difference uh, to trump corporate greed. Well, at the end of the day, it's about drive. (laughs) We stay hungry. That's right. Uh, As a little aside here, more news in case you missed it. uh, This just popped up in the news feeds. There's going to be the first ever Disney and Marvel Games Showcase coming uh, on in September. They're going to be showing, hopefully, some of the Insomniac stuff that they've got in the hopper, like the Wolverine game. I'd like to see that. Uh, Whatever's coming next for Spider-Man, probably some more Spider-Man 2, I would have to imagine. Um, Definitely some of uh, Midnight Suns, the uh, Firaxis game that's coming out that has been, unfortunately, delayed into 2023. I will be playing that day one. Um, But yeah. 1 p.m., uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, September 9th. And that's going to be on Twitch, on YouTube, is that, on Facebook, um, on Twitters. Is that part of D23? Um, I it, don't know. Because one's D23, because I'm like waiting for that for big news. Yeah. Uh, will be streamed simultaneously online, meaning those not at the D23 oh, Expo yeah, can watch go. along. There you go. Great. Yo, we um, are getting Fantastic Four news at D23. I am telling you right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, spo- they're supposed to announce at least the director and if not the cast. Um, yeah, I'll be sending you guys all of that stuff. My um, my buddy Alex is going to be at D23, presumably. Um, but um, all right, moving on. Because uh, like I said, we really we, we've talked it to death. We don't really know uh, the state of a lot of these things for DC. 
I honestly, I, I hope for the best, but I, I just, I don't have a lot of faith in uh, Zaslav's ability to pull this together. I don't like a lot of the decisions that he's made. And uh, I just don't like his face. <laughs> so we live in hope and die in despair, as they used to say. All we need to do That's is right. call Captain Planet and we'll fix the situation. <laughs> you mean Don Cheadle? Yes. <laughs> That's a throwback. That's a throwback for our uh, listeners right there. I remember that. Uh, speaking of dying in despair. <laughs> no, sorry. Valiant oh, Comics is cutting Look, I just read the cards, Sometimes all right? I don't... segues hurt. Yeah. Uh, Valiant Comics is cutting back to one title a month. Okay, so uh, rumors were swirling about layoffs and cutbacks. However, we've uh, this is coming from uh, The Beat, by the way. Uh, Despite a marketing email that came out yesterday with the headline, the epic future of Valiant Entertainment Publishing, (laughs) excuse me, according to CBR, the future involves publishing one title a month. As revealed in the newsletter from writer Steve Fox, uh, Archer and Armstrong has been canceled with issue number four. That leaves the titles promoted in the epic future email one issue of a four issue mini. Bloodshot Unleashed debuts on September 21st, and it's also Valiant's first ever mature reader's title. Uh, They give the creative team, which includes John Davis Hunt and Denise Camp. um, But they're going to be releasing one title. I'm I'm trying to figure out how this works. I guess they have a uh, after the four issue series wraps up, Book of Shadows returns in January, teaming up Shadow Man, Eternal Warrior, Punk Mambo, uh, Dr. Mirage and Persephone. It's written by Cullen Bunn with art by uh, Vincetti Sinfuentes. Uh, Exo Manowar Unconquered is from Becky Cloonan and Michael wow. W. Conrad and William Sharp. Wow. That's how I would I mean, read that. That sounds talent. awesome. They've always yeah. got talent. Yeah, but like, this is wild. Like, it's... one book a month, you really. You get lost in the shuffle real quick, only having one book on the shelves. And that is a, that is huge. They, I know like Valiant has always had their audience, but always kind of had a, had a bad time of making noise on new comic book day, whenever their stuff would come out. Yeah. But this is, this is, I've never seen anything like this. It's like the total inverse of what we've been talking about for years, which is just like the big two, kind of diluting their line by putting out so many books valiant's like screw it we're doing one one really great book yeah (laughs) i mean yeah like they've always had talent and i remember you know when we had vita ayala on a couple of years ago and they were talking about you know uh working at, at valiant and and like every couple of years it feels like valiant has like this surge they bring on new talent they bring on big names they like start like something cool but then it just they struggle to make a dent. They struggle to make a dent for a number of reasons. They're trying to do a superhero book in a, in a, in a, on a, on a release day when, like I said, the DC and Marvel books are just diluting the market. And um, I don't know. I don't know what the gamble is here. And and the shame of it is everyone who reads the Valiant books loves them and they're of high quality. And when we've all dropped in to read one here and there, it's, 
wow, why why aren't we reading this? And then we never do, which I think hmm. probably goes across the entire industry. The only thing I think I've ever finished from beginning to end was the Dr. Mirage. Awesome book. Yeah, awesome book. That yeah. book was cool. I read Faith. I read all I read, I read Faith all too. Faith. Yeah, I forgot that was valiant. Yes, Faith was a lot of fun. Jody has um, it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. This is uh this is pretty devastating uh for them and for their fan base. That's um that's that's a shame. I really I really hope that whatever they do put out hits hard for them to to keep them going. It would be a real shame to see them go away entirely. They've got some great characters. Well, they've gone away entirely before, before and they've come back and so I don't know. It's just it's mm-hmm. ups and downs with that mm-hmm. company. They rose up from the dead. They do it all the time, you know. Okay. T- Taylor Swift reference. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me, give me a minute. You'll get my scarf. We'll, uh, whoa. My we'll bring up the scarf. <laughs> oh, whoa. Sorry. <laughs> bring up uh, why don't we bring up some Jake, emails? Give it back. <laughs> <laughs> it's at her sister's house. <laughs> it's at you guys like emails? House. Yeah, we like, we like, we, we like, like emails. emails. Sorry. We're just Taylor Swift. And back and <laughs> I'm so glad, here. Joey. It brings me joy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this email comes in from Brian. It's a little bit of a long one, but we're going to go through it because we got some stuff to clear up here. (laughs) Hi, everyone. I'm aware that you all haven't taken one of my recommendations yet. This is untrue. (laughs) This is untrue. Um, We have taken some of your recommendations, Brian. We don't always get to everything on this show. One of the things that, first of all... Actually, you know what? I'm going to read the rest yeah, of you. First. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still compelled to recommend at least one more thing to y'all. I do listen to a lot of podcasts and I have a shit memory. Hey, welcome to the club. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure you all haven't talked about RRR yet. It's currently available on Netflix and is my favorite movie of the year so far. It's a film from India that is, histor- uh, is historical fiction taking place during British colonialism of South Asia in the early 20th century. It's also some of the best action set pieces I have ever seen, and its main theme is the power of friendship. Aww. Oh, we love that. Mm. Too. Yeah. Yes. It's pretty bromantic. Oh, okay. Oh, it's very I'm romantic. A lot of gazing. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. It might be uh, the third I know you all. I see from 2022. <laughs> I think it's 2021, actually. I think it said 2022. No, it's 2022. I'm looking at it right it now. It is. It's 2022. Yeah. Um, I know you all haven't listened to me yet, but all my chips are down on this one. Brian, you're assuming quite a lot here. Uh, please, if you haven't yet, watch RRR and uh, talk about it on the show. Okay. We're going to do it right now. <laughs> We're going to do it right now. Um, not only have I seen RRR, I wrote about it for work. I did a little mini review uh, on a, a, a repeating article that I update every month called The Best Action Movies on Netflix Right Now. And RRR makes an appearance on that list. And I rave and rant about it uh, in this article. So... Not only have I seen it, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. It is one of my favorite movies of the year. I like movies that are over the top ridiculous Mm -hmm. in the best of ways. And oh my God, if this movie didn't throw the gauntlet down (laughs) from the very beginning with this one man army that 
is tasked with getting to the other side of this, just this mob of people, hundreds of people lined up against this, like, um, what would you call that, Joey? The place with all the all the diplomats and everything. Uh, they're they're up against a barbed wire fence. They were, it was like the little compound, right? And this dude wants to move up in the ranks, and so he figures he's going to do this by himself. Dude plows, just plows through. Yeah, all of these people. It is one of the most amazing scenes of any movie preposterous if you think that's ridiculous every action set piece in this movie gets more and more ridiculous yep. in the best way the final the final not the final fight scene but there's a there's a prison break fight scene towards the end no spoilers and the 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 the, the staging of that scene is the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever seen in any movie. Ever. Ever. It's 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 incredible. The action set pieces are wonderful. Um, it does, it, there's some great music and dance numbers because it's a Tollywood film and it's from South, South Asia. So they do that kind of stuff. It's fun. The music slaps. It's very literal. If you have the captions on, the lyrics will help you through the story. It's great. Um, the actors are very handsome. Yeah, they are. Yes. Yes, they are. Very, very handsome. So this is what I this is what I wrote. I'll I'll read the final paragraph for my my RRR review. RRR is a ride, my friends. This movie is unabashedly silly, but it's also badass. It's got hardcore action, dancing, death-defying rescues, brotherly love, wild animal attacks, and a one-man army that will blow your mind. RRR is one of the best movies of 2022, and I cannot recommend it enough for this list. Yeah, It's awesome. It really is. Uh, Someone, my friend of mine brought it up um, a couple of weeks ago. We saw, what did we see? We saw Nope. We went to see Nope, and then afterwards we were having, we were just hanging out, and and he was like, oh, have you seen RRR? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Um, and it's just, it's just on Netflix. It's three hours long. Um, so that's a Netflix thing. It's three hours long. Um, I love it. I think it's fantastic. I actually, to, to Brian's point, I saw the email. I saw the recommendation. So I watched it this morning on his recommendation. So bang, there you go for that. Um, Excellent. I loved it. I thought it was great. The, the power of bro friendship is, is strong. Um, it is not without its flaws. Uh, and I, on, on the off off air, I said, I said that RRR is like is like it's like Inglorious Bastards. It's like Top Gun Maverick. You know, it's these <laughs> like it's these like quasi we're historical, but not at all like you know machismo action thriller fantasy epics. You know. Um, if you're watching RRR for a history lesson, you're not you're not <laughs> learning real history, <laughs> uh, and it's like there's a lot in it about kind of the British um, col- colonial era that the movie takes a lot of liberties with. Um, there's not there's not a Muslim in sight, despite the fact that they are a very prominent part of that era of Indian history, uh, which hmm. is problematic. And uh, there's another, there's a subtext to the movie that is, that for most audiences isn't going to register, but it's something that, you know, for those that want to learn more about the region should kind of look into and 
be wary of is that it's a very nationalistic propagandistic film um it's very much like india hindu is a hindu state and like we are like this is our history and 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 there are elements of that that's like hell yeah let's do it but then there are elements too that if you know anything going on in that region right now can be pretty um pretty scary so I hope that watching RRR gets you thinking and maybe looking deeper into some of those things. But it's if as a film, it's freaking amazing and ridiculous and bold and brash. And uh, this dude drives a truck into a courtyard and tigers pop out. Like it is the craziest oh thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> like it is, it is wild. It is wild. There, these he's this guy is two handing. He's double fisting like bolt action rifles. I'm like, this makes no sense. Like you can't. The scene <laughs> when they jump off the bridge, rescue the oh, little kid. You mean like the cold open of this movie? <laughs> yeah. Like they trap they trapeze and then they both land at the same time and look at each other. And they're like, and they just, ah, they, brother. They grab hands like um a predator style. They're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? It's it is so broy. Like I was watching this movie and there were multiple moments where I was just like gay but like in the best <laughs> yes! way possible God, i'm watching it um, tomorrow <laughs> it's it's fun it's fun it is a lot of fun Ugh. but learn your history i'll say that too yes uh chris this um this thing you posted with the ghost helping the woman out of the haunted house <laughs> the greatest thing isn't it <laughs> it is the greatest thing i've ever seen <laughs> all right moving on here <laughs> Sorry, I just I saw it on my second screen and I it was cracking me up. Um, moving through the email, unless anybody else wants to ch- uh, chime in on RRR. Uh, Bronwyn agrees that it's extremely gay. So <laughs> it very much is. Um, Joey, what does it stand for again? Oh shit! Rise, revolt, uh, rise, rise, roar, revolt. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Like the gate, like the gate, like the queerness of it too is also problematic considering the region it comes from. But again, it's just like, I don't know who knows, but anyway, it's not for us to discuss. All right. Back to the email. Last, but certainly not least all the best to John, his wife and the rest of his family. I hope, uh, I hope it with everything comes out with you. Uh, I think I should have, um, sending many positive thoughts uh, that I can muster your way. Okay, there is a there's another part too. But doubling back to the recommendations thing, you mentioned Bolero uh, in a previous email. One, I've talked about Bolero th- on three separate occasions. Two, we had a whole Bolero showcase ready for you when Bronwyn was going to be a guest on the show. We had like best laid plans and then unfortunately she has had pneumonia for the last month and a half um we've been sick on and off for what feels like forever it's it's awful um but i love bolero it is absolutely one of my favorite series of the year uh and you might hear more about it later on not this episode but later on in the year uh when we decide what we're gonna do with our best ofs um bolero is so strange and so beautiful and so different. And I, I highly recommend it to everyone. Um, it has, it has like sentient spiritual cats. I mean, what more do you need? <laughs> uh, and last but not least, and this is where we can get a little, maybe a little controversial. I don't even know that I want to Steve, 
Joe Strummer and The Clash are much more than just a punk band. In fact, they were once called the only band that matters. They opened popular music up to many genres aside from punk, including ska, reggae, funk, early rap, dance, dub, and rockabilly, to name a few. Please give the album London Calling a listen and come back to uh, come back to me with your thoughts. Okay. Yes. I'm going to say this before Steve goes off. <laughs> correct. What's correct? You know, he's right. The Clash has got a big footprint on rock and oh, roll. Oh, absolutely. Man. For sure. 100%. I'm I'm opinionated, not dumb. <laughs> like The here's here's my thing. I I I listened to London Calling when I was in London, when I went for that Kingsman Golden Circle, um, not set visit, whatever the hell that thing was that I did, activation. Ooh. I don't know. They, 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 they flew me to London and I had a night and I walked around the city listening to The Clash, London Calling, because it just seemed wholly appropriate. And I enjoyed it. And it was, it, like I said, appropriate for where I was and doing my thing, whatever. And it was fine. And I, I, put it away. And I was like, that was cool. That was a fun time with the clash. Um, I went and I listened to it again today from start to finish. I respect the clash (laughs) for the impact that they've made on the music industry as a whole. It's really cool to listen to that album and hear the makings of some of the things that you mentioned, particularly ska. I hear a lot of ska in that album. Um, but here's the thing. I enjoy it. I, I recognize its genius. If somebody wants to throw it on at a party, I'm all for it. If somebody wants to sing it at karaoke, even better. If you if you could manifest, if you could bring the clash back to go and see them live, I will pay hard cash for a ticket because they sound like a band that would blow your socks off live. And I'm all about that. That being said, after listening to it again today, I enjoyed my time with it, but it is not necessarily my thing and will not make it into the rotation, but all respect due to a band who has obviously had a tremendous, tremendous impact on so many things within the music industry. And I think that that's awesome. I'm not hearing the controversy there. I think that was a very level-headed response, Steve. I'm really trying right now. In the back of it, he's like, F the clash. No, no, no. Well, he didn't hear from me yet. So wait a minute. Oh, here we go. I just like, I could hear, I could hear Hugh, just his head spinning right now if he's listening to this. And then, you know, like, this stuff is sensitive. If start if people started coming after me for tool, I mean, you know, I would throw hands and that would be that. Um, I just when you start talking to me about the only band that matters, my 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 hackles go up and I I immediately become defensive. That's Led Zeppelin. It's not them either, but okay. Bob, go ahead. Well, I was in the music business when the Clash were the only band that matters in capital letters with quotation marks. And they were huge. They sold out shows everywhere. There was a great run of shows at Bonds in New York that that were a whole thing. And yet London Calling sold tons and tons and tons. And they mattered to a whole generation of people who were just coming up into music and discovering something that, oh boy. See, I'm an old guy. Seemed wholly original. 
nothing in music is wholly original. It all borrows from something else. So uh, when, as someone who's been buying records since the 60s, um, they opened up poppy music to many genres aside from punk, including so-and-so and so forth. Well, at the point we're talking about, well, there's a band called The Specials were around to doing ska. Bob Marley had been recording for, I don't know, 10 years? Uh, heck, even Johnny Nash was doing I Can See Clearly Now and Stir Em Up and, and whatever. Um, rap was already around for five years. Did it introduce, though, that to an audience who hadn't heard it before? Yeah. Though I would say if you're going to talk about who introduced rap to the mainstream audience, it's Debbie Harry and Blondie with Rapture. The year after London Calling, in terms of that being the first number one hit with, with rap in it. Um, the thing of it is, we can't understate, with all I just said, what they meant to that audience at that point. And it, <clears throat> it did bring some punk sensibilities into the mainstream that hadn't happened before. It was all the... You'd see the news reports of the kids in Greenwich Village who had taken it, obviously, from the, from the London folks, of the kids with, it's these kids walking around with green hair and mohawks and pins in their nose, and what's going on here? The Clash made that, I don't want to say acceptable, because it was still on the fringe, but in terms of the music business, they were one of the biggest acts of their time. Hmm. So, uh, Brian, you're right. You're wrong, but you're mostly right. I'll just, I'll just say it that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was there, okay? I'm I'm gonna I was there. I'm man. gonna say that Brian wasn't. I don't know what Brian's age is, but we're talking about <laughs> records no from forty-five years ago. I'm with you, Brian. Okay. I have zero thoughts on the clash. I'm sorry, uh, y'all. <laughs> they were great. I, I I'm not disputing that and what they meant is very important, but as with Elvis is the king of rock and roll. Elvis is amazing. No question. Did he create yeah. the genre of music that it happened, I don't know, 10 years before he did it? <laughs> no, no, he didn't. But he's the guy that made it happen. The Clash are the Elvis of the 70s. I would love to, if I, if I was able to drink anymore, which I really can't these days, but if I could, I would love to be in a rowdy ass bar, a couple of beers <laughs> in, with some Clash playing on the speakers oh, overhead. Give me some rock everyone into it. I'm there. A couple of pints, as they say. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's to me that sounds like a, a good time. Pints. I just there's there's stuff that I listen to that immediately makes it into the rotation, and then there's stuff that isn't. And I just for me, the Clash is an occasional band it's a treat it's something that like if you're in the mood strikes you go and you listen to it you have a good time and then you it's walk sometimes away sometimes food it's not yeah it is it's look there's 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 having spotify on the go and then there's your downloaded albums <laughs> i know that the clash will always be ready for the me clash. to stream i don't need to download it it's like pineapple on pizza Every once go. in a while you do it <laughs> you but only certain pizzas it doesn't work on everything this yeah, is a good metaphor yeah. look i I'm just saying, I heard a band the other day that it was the first time I listened to them, and later that afternoon, I bought a ticket to their show because they made such an impression on me. It's a band called Ghost. Oh, I love Ghost! Yeah, I love Ghost. 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 Yeah, I love 
gross. They are. Yeah, they're not new by any stretch of the imagination, but I've somehow managed to avoid them for however many years, never clicked on anything. I stupidly assumed that they were just another Slipknot band, and I love Slipknot, but I just never bothered because I was like, I, I have Slipknot. I don't need another Slipknot in my life. And then one of my podcasts ended and their album came up on my phone and it was like, this is brand new. Why don't you check it out? And I was like, you know what? Today's the day. Why not? And I clicked that album. Now, I don't know if anybody else would agree with me, but Ghost sounds like if Weird Al Yankovic did a send up <laughs> to the 80s hair metal bands and, ma- and made like a legit operatic metal band. The, there's something about the lead singer's voice that reminds me of Weird Al Yankovic. I, I really, I don't, I've listened to a lot of Weird Al. There's something in it that reminds me of him. But they're, they're such a throwback to that style of music, but doing something fun and new with it and really, really going for that aesthetic. Like even lyrically, it is so much that thing yeah. that it is so, so theatrical and so ridiculous that I just fell for it right away. And then I looked, I was like, oh, I'll see if they're on tour. They're playing next month at the Coca-Cola arena with Spirit Box and Mastodon. Oh, wow. So That's a good I am. Yup. Yup. I, I bought my ticket. I'm going by myself and I am going to see Ghost and Mastodon and Spirit Box. <laughs> good for you. That's going to be a good show. I would pay the same amount of money that I paid for that ticket for any one of those bands. The fact that all three of them are going to be there in the same night. Awesome. <laughs> Have you listened to the struts? No. So the, that's another band that has that throwback eighties hair metal vibe in its current band. And I say, go listen to could have been me by the struts tonight. It's one of my favorite all songs right. of all time. It may have gotten me through grad school so far. So <laughs> I wrote it down. It's funny, like hair metal is not my thing at all, not even a little bit, but I love, I love it when somebody goes to do the thing and they do that thing so hard that it just ends up being amazing. And they're legitimately, they're very good. Like I've listened to that album multiple times now. I've gone back and listened to some of their older material. It's fun. And I've, I've not been to like a straight up metal show in a long time. I think that's going to be a blast. I kind of miss the 80s and 90s when that sort of hair metal was actually on the pop radio stations and you could actually hear real instruments and guitar solos. And I don't know where all that, (laughs) all that went. I, I, I have a very varied musical taste. Don't get me wrong, but (laughs) the idea that, wow, you know, David covered it on white snake could be on the radio. on on a pop radio station, as opposed to now, if I'm at the dentist office and their version of dentist music is now whatever the pop station is, and it's all sort of riffs and beats and there are, uh, get off my lawn, there are are no choruses and verses and where's the the song structure that used to... Why are you not listening to Taylor Swift? Her beats and bridges are everything. Everything. And Harry Styles, his new album. Oh my God! Yes. Okay. Taylor Swift taking Taylor. me to that bridge every yes! song. Oh. She, that that mm-hmm. woman makes more bridges than any industry in America ever has. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she's the inter, she's she's All the right. infrastructure bill in, in she person. Is. Yes. Yeah. She is. 
is uh the te- I, I know this sounds wild but the 10 minute all too well is one of the best songs ever written i hands down it's like 17 bridges there are 17 and they're all (laughs) stunning and savage and i love them Hmm. let me know if you can this this might not play well on the podcast and if it doesn't i'll stop but let me know if you can hear this hold on play can you hear that all right listen to this we're really just gonna listen to this song on the podcast just listen this is the Who. This is that scream. This is the Who. This is Ghost. That's so good. But oh, but they're doing the Who. Okay, I just no <laughs> problem. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> if it's fifteen seconds, it's fair use. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That scr- That was the first thing I heard though. Was that scream, and oh, I was like, Oh man! Oh. <laughs> Hold that's on. That's the beginning of a uh, CSI uh, Miami. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or or as it's known in the uh, metal circles, Kaiserian. <laughs> All right, let's um, we got uh, a few more things to wrap up here. Let's talk about the books that we're looking forward to next week. Bob, what are you thinking about picking Captain up? Marvel forty? We've got a new Strange, I think, according to my comic store, but I somehow don't. I think he's wrong, but uh, we go with that. Ms. Marvel and Moon Knight. We got a world's finest number six, and there are some things I didn't get to talk about this week that will I will dive into Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number three, for instance. Oh, nice, uh, Joey. How about you? Uh, New Mutants twenty eight, Daredevil number two slash six fifty, um, <laughs> Flavor Girls number two, Shirtless Bear Fighter two <gasps> number one. Do a power. Did you did you three. read Flavor Girls? Uh, yeah, Flavor Girls number one. Oh. I was like last month. I wasn't on the show, but yeah. Um, Shirtless Bear Fighter two number one, Dual Power Bomb number three, which is the craziest book ever made. Uh, <laughs> Above Snakes number two, uh, Batman One Day One Bad Day number one, maybe who knows? Um, Duo number four as well, and also a book called Heart Eyes. Dennis Hopeless, yeah, as for vaults. So might check that out too. Cool. Chris, what do you have uh, going on this week? Uh, I'm not. I'm trying not to pick up anything, but I am going to FlameCon, so who knows? We'll see what happens. But as far as webtoons, I'm still going down the Stagtown rabbit hole. I have just started reading Dense, which has a lot of uh, episodes, and it's very superhero and fun. Um, and my Dictator Boyfriend series finale just came out, so I'm going to finish it and say goodbye to that series. Yeah. I'm so sad. I know, but I'm happy. I'm happy to get a conclusion, though. So I'll have to get caught up so we can talk about it. Okay. So I totally was thinking of last week, our conversation when Bob was saying that there's too much Batman out there because I was making my list and And there's definitely a lot of Batman on this list. So I've got Batman, the night number eight, Batman, one bad day. Number one, Batman, (laughs) Superman world's finest. Number six, Catwoman 46, Harley Quinn 20. They keep pumping out these Harley Quinns. This is three in a row. Uh, Nightwing number 95, Captain Marvel 40, Daredevil 2, Strange 5 if it comes out. Above Snakes number 2, Bloodstained Teeth number 5, Do a Powerbomb number 3, Flavor Girls number 2, Heart Eyes number 1, and Shirtless Bear Fighter 2 number 1. That's a lot. I'm going to reread Shirtless Bear Fighter this week. Hell yeah. That book's amazing. Okay, kite man over there. Maybe I'll, oh, 
<laughs> Permission to come aboard. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, Bob, you have something as a part of your closing statements, if you would, I sir. have a thing, yes. Songwriter and producer Lamont Dozier passed away at age 81 last week. And while his name might not ring a bell to a lot of folks, I bet that his work most certainly would, as he helped create some of the most magical musical moments of the 60s out of a converted house at 2648 West Grand Boulevard in Detroit. Along with brothers Eddie and Brian Holland at Motown, Lamont Dozier crafted all the major hits for the Supremes, that includes 10 number one records, and the four tops as well, a dozen in the top 30, six top tens, two number ones, plus big songs for the Miracles, the Isley Brothers, Martha and Vandellas, Marvin Gaye, and Junior Walker, and that's not the whole list, and that was all done within a five-year span, no less. Now, trying to define the Motown sound isn't so simple, as one could obviously cite those artists I just mentioned. And I would certainly add their house band, the Funk Brothers, as a vital component. But songs such as Stop in the Name of Love, I Can't Help Myself, and How Sweet It Is are great examples of how important Holland Dozier Holland worked to the enterprise as well. Each of those tracks has the sound, but they're also each singular to the artist who recorded it, which was something that Abdul Fakir of the Four Tops once told me, as he considered HDH the tailors of music, crafting a perfect fit of song to artist. Now, there's something beyond those hit records, though. Motown founders Barry Gordy's vision was to create a sound of young America. And that's a crazy goal considering the state of the music business back in 1959 when rhythm and blues records were mostly relegated to the race records charts and radio stations. Holland Dozier Holland were a huge cog in the machine that would allow Motown records to cross a racial divide, bringing music by African-American artists to the mainstream and never losing their soul in the process. You can make a great case that the fabulous diversity we hear throughout the world of music today has its roots in the achievements of one little company in Detroit, and Lamont Dozier had a great hand in making that happen. A couple of years ago on his passing, I said here that I had probably read more words from Stan Lee's pen than any other author. Well, I'm sure I've spent more time listening to and singing along with songs by Brian Holland, Lamont Dozier, and Eddie Holland than any other composer, no matter the era or genre. So thanks, Lamont, for all those wonderful moments, and rest in peace. Mm. Yeah, the list of contributions to music overall, this is staggering. <laughs> and did you know who Lamont Dozier Some... was when I brought his name up? Probably not. Honestly, I didn't I didn't recognize the name, but those like songs. you said, I immediately recognized the work. Um, Heat Wave from uh, Martha, and the, Martha and the Vandellas. Such an amazing, amazing song. There's a lot of great stuff on here. Uh, Baby, I Need Your Loving. You talked yeah. about that earlier. Um, oh, where was the one, though? Oh, my God. The Supremes. All the Supremes yeah, stuff. They're 10 number one hits from Where Did I Love Go, Baby Love, Stop in the Name of Love, Come See About Me. Those are all Holland Dozier Holland. Where? Damn it. I had I had a whole list. Right. Baby, baby, where did our love go? You know, that was covered by taint, Tainted Love, the, yeah. the, the soft cell in the 80s. Baby Love. Oh, what am I thinking? Stop in the Name of Love was, was another one. Yeah, Reach It, I'll Be There. This Old Heart of Mine by the Isley Brothers. Junior Walker's I'm a Roadrunner. I, I mean, just, just go down this list. And again, these are all done... Barry Gordy created an atmosphere of competition. It was an assembly. Oh, I found it, it. Which one? You keep me hanging oh. on. 
Love that song. Either their original or the cover by Vanilla Fudge. Yep. Both are both are yeah. good. Um, Gordy was looking to do something special and managed it. Started a company with an $800 loan. <laughs> wow. Um, they, I, I was telling Steve this story off the air. Babe, I need your loving by the four tops. They had, they'd been together 10 years. We're singing jazz and doing all sorts of stuff and finally came back around to Motown and recorded a whole album of jazz that didn't get released for 30 years. And they shelved that and they were trying to figure out what to do. And, and Barry thought, well, I'll put these new kids, Holland Dozier Holland, with you older guys. We'll see what happens. Well, apparently at three o'clock in the morning, Eddie Holland showed up at some club that Duke Fakir of the Tops was at. And said, we, we got this track you want. We want you to hear. Well, 45 minutes later, they had Baby I Need Your Lovin' recorded they added some strings and it went to number 11 as and as a new artist and started that whole thing that was that was the way they did things then they had these musicians they were all there all the time they could get the artisans people like martha reeves you mentioned heatwave martha reeves was barry gordy's secretary who happened to be able to mm-hmm. sing and he heard her at the desk it's like hey yeah well no one's here you want to record something and he, that uh go ahead. Oh, go, go, ahead, ahead, go, go, go ahead. I was just gonna say the the heat wave song, it always immediately reminds me of that um who did that song? Uh we're having a heat wave. Tropical heat wave, but that now we're back to the, into the forties. That's an old song from the forties. Yeah. Is that in White like Christmas? That song. <laughs> That's in Grumpy Old Men. I think they sing it in White Christmas too. I think so. Or Do or they? not in Holiday Inn, the one that preceded it. I'd yeah, have I, think to check. I think it's in that, like, where they're doing the showing scenes from yeah. their musical that they're putting mm-hmm. on. I think they sing it. I love that movie. I watch it every year. <laughs> Did anyone get a list at this, um, a look at this list of songs, by the way? Ooh, not yet. Oh, yeah. Well, I know you did. Yeah, yeah, I've been I've been looking. It's a shame that it takes forever to look all this stuff up on Spotify. But, make yourself a, make yourself uh, yeah, a no. playlist. You, you yeah. won't regret it. Yeah, for sure. That's how I, I, I like. I'm not good with picking out song titles. I definitely recognized a few of them, but once I started typing them in and listening to them, it brought me back. Because I used to listen to a lot of this stuff when my mom would go to the roller rink. Aww. Do you remember? Um, do you remember Good Skates? Absolutely. Bob? I guess you'd call it Corum. I, I yeah, yeah. Center my, whatever. Yeah, my, right there, my, yeah. yeah, my mom uh, was a big, big uh, skater back in the day that's mostly where i hung out uh on a weekly basis uh her and her skating partner jimmy like all of these songs that are on here they did routines Aww. too she was really good she was really that's really so good cool. yeah and uh it was awesome because they had really good arcades at the long island uh roller skating <laughs> rinks especially the one the ts flea markets where i played Pit Fighter. Pit Fighter was good. <laughs> that is All now right. a target. Um, Aw. Yeah. Yeah. That thing that Good Skates turned into <sighs> laser. It was a laser tag place. It was called like Photon yes, or something you're like absolutely that. Right. Yep. Yeah. That place was cool too. At least it is in my memory. I don't know. Everything's much bigger when you're a kid, but that place was boss. All right. I think that's it. I think so. I think we're done. 
Um, does anybody have any other closing statements, anything they'd like to share? Chris, do you want to remind everybody about what you have going yeah. on? Yeah. So FlameCon is this week. It is Saturday and our panel is at three o'clock where we will be talking Batman and all things queerness. Uh, TJ and I are currently making the PowerPoint for that. And there's a lot of bat nipples on it. So you definitely want to come. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be such a good time. We have Jadzia Axarod, Ben Khan, and Alex Jaffe with us. And you're just going to want to come and hear it. So please do. Uh, as always, I am also hosting the Thirsty on Tunes podcast. Our upcoming episode is an interview with Charlie Ed Hera, the author of Gay Wolf Book. Oh my ah! God, finally. <laughs> I know we did that. So I've been so wanting. Long ago. <laughs> I've been wanting to listen to this episode for so long when I heard you recording I it from know. the other room. We we held off on it by her request so that it would come out when her book released, uh, which was very hard for me because I have no patience. So I've been wanting to release it so badly. But her book, uh, Big the, the Big Bad Wolf spinoff series is coming out. So we are releasing our episode to celebrate that. Uh, it's So I was listening to Gay Wolf book number yeah! one. And we finally, finally got to some of the more yeah. heated moments. That motel scene? Mm, mm, yep. Mm. <laughs> I love that series so much. <laughs> it's very well written. It's very good. It, I, yeah, if you, if you love romance, if you love mystery, check it out. If you want a book that takes werewolf mythology into surprisingly deep places to comment on our society, it does that too. So please check out Charlie and Harris. She's amazing. Um, in addition, as always, I am still taking consulting jobs. I just got a new one I'm real excited about, but I still have some Sweet. openings. So please, please, please hire me. Uh, and I'm also the co-host of Gotham Outsiders with my bestie, TJ. And we have some an exciting episode coming out tomorrow, uh, an, an interview with the author of Harley Quinn Reckoning. So that is going to be ah. very exciting. Um, and you can... I just remembered that I bought that. <laughs> you did. That. You did while we were on the episode. Uh, yeah, you did while we were recording that one day. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I should have read that after the last thing that I read. After the uh, the A.S. Yeah. King, the Glory, uh, Glory O'Brien. There's still time. Kept the, the, the reading streak going. <laughs> now it'll be another two no! years before I get to Harley Quinn. No, do it. You can do it. I believe in you. It's, it's oh, so good. Feminist vigilanteism. <laughs> <laughs> so good um and you can find out all of that stuff on my main twitter at the myth of psyche or you can go check out my new pen name twitter at cooper cowell writes where i'm going to be posting some of the stuff i'm working on and let's just say there's some werewolf romances in my future as well hmm. damn yeah. <laughs> you got a lot going oh my God, on I do. and that's just not even my day job <laughs> i was gonna say on top of school and work mm -hmm. <sighs> <laughs> All dissertation right. it's fine oh my god i don't i don't all sleep. right <laughs> ah, sleep is for the week we've reached the end of this week's edition of the talking comics podcast as always you can send us your comments your questions or question us about things from our past and recommendations <laughs> podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com we are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. Uh, and by the way, the the pineapple on pizza still winning. 
still winning. It's looking good for pineapple. You got a couple more days to go vote on that. Uh, let's see. What else? That's it. Bob, where can our listeners <laughs> find you? Old-fashioned email. Bob Breyer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Joey. At Joey Marcino. Uh Aaron is at Aaron J. Amos. And John is at John P. Verkel. I am at dead underscore anchorus. You already have Chris's information. So thank you all so much for listening. Be excellent to each other. And until next time on the Talking Comics Podcast, to be continued. <laughs>